cleaning. For cleaning what? Hey everybody, welcome to Bros, Bibles, and Beer. This is Jeff. It's episode 208. Zach, how's it going? Comparison is a thief of joy. Okay, Andy? What is, we got uh, some kind of wackadoo? <laughs> this is very eclectic. And Scotty. Who needs joy anyways? Wait, who? Oh, Joy. Who's she? Who needs her? So close to perfection, and we got to step on the... Step on that hit. Step on it, boys. Step on that hit. Hey, speaking of joy. So speaking of joy, we're all back together again. We are. <sighs> I listened to it. I listened to the three of y'alls. And um, I listened to it. <laughs> feedback. <laughs> feedback. I listened. Da, 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 and da, da, I listened. Zach's feedback. And uh, we have a, qu- a voicemail. But real quick, my, my intro comment. I think it was Teddy Roosevelt, could have been Churchill, one of our, you know, murderous presidents, who knows. Comparison is the thief of joy, which is an awesome quote. And I've been repeating it as a mantra to the girls, like when they're about to leave, like, remember, what what am I going to say? And they're like, whatever, dad. (laughs) That's what you uh, say when they leave? Sometimes. I I like to like give them a little nugget of uh, wisdom that maybe they resent me for later on, but. Were they like, my friend's dad says that too. (laughs) No, but they're just like, whatever, (laughs) (laughs) kind of whatever. Scott got it. (laughs) So we're at a, we're at a track. Uh, That was good. Okay. I'm like focusing on what I'm about to say. I'm sorry. I'm not a multitasker. Okay. Um, But uh, we're at a track invitational and we're leaving and I got the girls a donut and uh, I gave them money to go buy a donut at the snack bar. And so- as they're walk, we're walking towards the car. I'm like, well, you got to pay the tax man, which means give dad a bite. So I take a bite of each. And, uh, and it was right after I just said something. Cause you know, track, you can, it's an individual sport, but it's also a team and you can get, if you're not worried about, if you're worried about other people, it might affect your performance. So I just got done kind of saying it. And then I take a bite of the donuts and my youngest says, but her, her donut's way bigger. <laughs> and then I just, I turn around. I'm like, what do you think I'm going to say? And then the family laughed. It was a good moment of like, that's a real world example of like, if she you got, got robbed that, of yeah. the joy of having your own donut. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have feedback on the last episode. I did not listen, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but one of my buddies listened and he, yeah, he mentioned that I, I took us roundabout a few times. So. Oh, wow. Feedback wow. from a friend. Yeah. All right. Next time, tell him to send us an email or something. Secondhand so- feedback. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I told him to leave a message. I think he said he left a message once, but oh. he think he oh. sent it to the wrong email or something. I don't know. Okay. He wasn't paying attention. Well, you mentioned that you we do have actual feedback. Yeah, I'm going to play a voicemail. Are I mean, ready? That, not that that wasn't actual feedback, but thanks to the anonymous <laughs> guys. That's why a friend of mine said he listened, not me. Anyway, asking for the friend. Thanks, Donnie. <laughs> no one uh, has is a friend. Is this ready to go? Yes, uh, okay. it should be. Uh, hold on. Oh nope. Pause. Okay. Yeah, let's see how it goes. Juggling glasses. All right, so here's uh, not cheap glasses. We got a voice voicemail. Here we go. Uh, Hey guys, this is uh, Peter. Nope. Hold on. Hold on. Stand by. Stand by. I know it's wrong. 
<laughs> We're just going to get some Woodford Reserve going while uh, we'll figure you know this what? out. Shoot. Oh, you're still recording. That's cool. Yeah. What are we drinking? How about that? Uh, we're seriously going to cut to that right now. Why not? I've got news. I got news on top of that. We'll get oh. to news. Good grief, All right, give it a try now. See what All happens. Right. All right. Voicemail. Take 70. Uh, hey guys, this is uh, Peter Tubers. And I just wanted to thank you for your episode on wrath. Uh, yeah, it's not always been clear to me what wrath even means, but I just felt like the way you asked the questions to each other and then answered and then asked the same question and then answered and then asked the same question and answered and then answered and then answered and answered and asked and answered. It just really brought it home, just drilled it into me. It's just great to know we live uh, in a world uh, full of wrath. So, appreciate your time, and if you play this, uh, thanks. Uh, again, Peter Tubers, first time, long time, all that stuff. Uh, I just really appreciate your show. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Peter, this rasp for you. Poor is about for to you. cry a little bit at the end there. Peter Tubers. That's awesome. I wasn't sure, like, well, that could be someone's real voice. Um, could be. It is someone's it was. someone's it is voice. Somebody's voice. It is somebody's voice. We know that much. Um, I just want to say I I need to hear things a few times before it really really sinks in. So so does Mister Tubers. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad he enjoyed it. I'm glad all the listeners enjoyed it. You're welcome. <laughs> all right. You're welcome. Oh, thank you, Scott. Uh, I'm not going to mention this until we actually get to the segment. Jeff, you got news? What's going on? I do have I do have a little beer news. Okay, uh, I mean it's it's uh, this is off the cuff, but uh, I was reading a, um, an article uh, from Brewbound. They actually have a podcast. It is a podcast, but they were talking about the the sat- weird. They have a podcast. It is a podcast. Well, they have a they have a they have a website with an with articles, and so obviously that's connected to it, um, but. In that they were talking about how the market has become saturated, and all these big companies like InBev and others have went out and bought these craft breweries. You know, um, like what are some of our local Ballast, local ones? Ballast, yeah, Point. Ballast Point's a big one. Um, there have been others been 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 bought in Southern California and then around the country, but they are starting to shut them down. These oh, big uh, companies are losing their bottom line because they cannot they they put a lot of money into buying these craft breweries or they're killing the competition. Well, yeah, but the problem is that when you go to you go to the supermarket, I mean, how many how many beers, different types of beers do you see just that you haven't even ever seen before? There's a ton and there's the space that's what the the article really mentions and hones in on is this there's no space left i mean you'd have to have <laughs> a supermarket uh section that's like uh, bevmo <laughs> i mean there's just so many craft breweries so many craft breweries they get bought out like ballast point and sculpin was like their thing they get bought out and they're even having difficulty you know, selling because it's just, it's a completely saturated market. It's like, so what they're trying to do is um, 
just knock out the middleman, like knock out the the middle tier, not middleman, the middle tier of beers, and and kind of buy up the shelves and just Thanks push for making it gender neutral. Yeah, push the craft breweries out and um, you know force them to you know create their own environment out you know outside of Vons and Stater Brothers and all of the supermarkets. So that was uh, I was like, man, that's uh, kind of pushes people to maybe start their own breweries as opposed to, and like where people actually come in and have some food and stuff like that, as opposed to selling at the, the supermarkets. Cause they're going to get just knocked out of the ballpark by InBev and others. Yeah. If you were going to start a brewery um, and I know somebody that's been talking about that for years, I would say <laughs> that definitely focusing on in-house, like feel atmosphere, people hang out, be profitable in-house before you try to get your stuff on the shelves at Whole Foods right before I got here, um, picking up my abnormal boss pour, which is what I'm sipping on right now. I'd be someone, uh, a whole section of non-alcoholic beer, non-alcoholic spirits. Mm -hmm. It is one of the fastest growing segments of the quote unquote booze market. I don't know what you call it, but, um, the non booze market, an acquaintance of mine at a party is, pregnant and she's in the industry and uh uh was drinking pregnancy industry she's in the pregnancy industry <laughs> yes the, the it's the pregnancy beer crossover industry i'm professionally pregnant okay <laughs> but it's the uh Uh-oh. non-alcoholic tequila which what? didn't taste great on its own but mixed in with some margarita mix it had a little spice to it and it's like if you you know, if water or something like that is, is boring and you're used to having a drink or two at a party and you move to that, I, I get it. And that's, but especially, and also there's a huge fitness, you know, craze and that's part of it is non-alcoholic beers, refreshing beverage, but you're not blowing out your ketosis. Mm. Nobody wants their ketosis blown out. <clears throat> no, nope. not this guy. Uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So do you guys know where San Leandro is? Here in California, I don't think it's a real place. <laughs> Is that a person? I think we've no. had their beer before. I've, I think I went well, to high school with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, part of this article was talking about um, Lost Abbey, the mm-hmm. brewer, and they're leaving the San San Marcos uh, production space, which I think is in San Diego County. Yep. But Pizza Port is taking over. And moving in another location. And, you know, it kind of, so instead of a, a, a canning place, a, a brewery where they're actually distributing uh, cans, they're leaving, Pizza Port's moving in, and, you know, it's another kind of restaurant bar environment. But I don't know. I mean, it feels like we're, I mean, we're certainly not, they're certainly saturated in San Diego, but they're not, it's not here. I mean, I don't, I was just talking to somebody yesterday about this and they're like, yeah, we don't really have a ton. Like you've got artifacts and you've got a couple others here and there, but outside of that, um, you know, Zach, there's still the opportunity, the opportunity in this area, um, because it's not saturated, but it's going to get there. Um, so, so hurry up and spend some money so you can get saturated too. <laughs> if you got 500 grand and you want to yeah. uh, invest, I know a guy. Yeah. Saturated with hops. 
It's a good industrial space name. is just expensive around here. Yeah. Anyway, what are you guys drinking right now? Boss pour and a boiler maker consisting of that with a little little Woodford Reserve to sip on as I go. <laughs> Coors Light. I'm also drinking water. Get them. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, water. Mountain spring water. <laughs> nice. Made with real mountains. Yep. <laughs> I'm drinking water today, tonight. <clears throat> Too much booze. Man, every time I bring the big beer, Andy is is on 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 dry. More land, for you. It's because we do this on Monday. I had a half pour before Andy. I came. Oh man! Of you got brought some Pliny the Elder. Yeah. Um. From Pro- Project oh, you Social. Did? Oh, maybe I'll break my fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's delightful. Well, you, I figured you know I was in charge of the the beer info tonight, so oh. I might as well bring a good beer. All right, then I'm going to have some of that. There we go. It's a 30, right. 32 out. ounce crowler. Oh, nice! Yeah, right there. Get that pop by the mic so we can all hear it. Oh. I, you know, if I had fingernails, I was looking up, uh, I was looking up bro news, but I did stumble across, uh, I did stumble across some beer news unintentionally and we can play a little game if you guys want to. I would love to. I love to play a little uh, beer related game. Okay. Can, can you name and, uh, any of the top five states that drink the most beer per capita? Any of the top five states that drink the most beer per capita, bonus points if you get number one. Milwaukee. <laughs> Is that a city or a state? Not a state, but <laughs> I like where your head's at. Milwaukee, Minneapolis? No. Minnesota? No. What state's Milwaukee in? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. No, that's debatable. But Homeschooler. I'll go with, I'll go with Milwaukee. <laughs> I'm going to stick with Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> It's a it's a city. Yeah, I know. Uh, no, Milwaukee is not in the top five. Neither is Wisconsin. I'm going to go with Massachusetts. Massachusetts is not in the top five. Colorado. Nope, not in the top Ooh, five. Holy crap! <clears throat> okay, how, this is the United States, right? Wyoming. <laughs> nope. Alaska. <laughs> South Dakota. Okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah, because per capita, you got the think number one. Wait, Hawaii. <laughs> the number one most beer per capita. New Hampshire. Oh, I, I was trying to go with one of those small, less Do populated you, states. You want to hear Live why they think die. why they think that is? There's no booze tax there. Huh? What? So the theory is it's cheap. Surrounding people uh, in the surrounding states come and get it. Okay, here's the uh, top five less populous states of uh, number two: Montana, mm-hmm. Vermont, North Dakota, and Maine. Okay, so that's that's per capita. So let's do this. The states that drink the most beer overall. Milwaukee. <laughs> hey. Oh, hey, that, that's that. weird. Uh, California. Okay, so. Who's that Pliny? Who's going who's gonna, to. You choose California. All right. Anybody else? Um, most beer overall by volume. Um, most beer by volume. MBV. Uh, I'm going to go with Washington state. Okay. Washington state and Jeff. What is this for? Sorry. Most, the most beer by volume, the States, any of the top five States that have, that drink the most beer by volume. Uh, I would go with California. 
Okay. California is the winner. Oh, thank mm, you. And I'm going to participate and add to the number right now. We all are. Uh, the Rounding out the top five states, uh, who guess for number two? New York. No, number five is New York. Texas. Texas is number two. Boom, two for two. Just like go with the most populous states, I guess. Yeah, what, what do you Florida. think? Florida. Florida is number three. And the last one, Pennsylvania. Whoa, never would have guessed that. Pennsylvania, though, that's where they have the yingling, right? Isn't that a city, though? Yeah, it's the city of Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's located next to Milwaukee. Um, yingling, you're right. Yingling, which is the most sold beer in America? Really? Yeah, it's, I think it is. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, that's that's the thing they do. They okay. sell beer and make money. <clears throat> that's what they do there to make. That's what they do. Okay. Uh, Piney smells good. Do you want me to save the bro news? No, knock it out. Okay. Do you guys, uh, which one do you want? Do you want the one that's uh, related to tattoos or junk? It's your choice. Mm. Junk it is. Okay. <clears throat> All right, hold on. I'm going to turn around and read this. Zach, do you want any of this Pliny at all? Can we combine the Eventually. Two? Okay. Uh, we could, but okay, here we go. Uh, here's the headline. Man has his penis chopped off after doctor's medical mistake ends in amputation disaster. That's the end of the show. <laughs> the oh. surgeon, uh, a surgeon in Italy will be investigated by the country's top health officials. I think you mean former surgeon. After he <laughs> yeah. erroneously removed a man's penis. The urologist removed the man's family jewels after he wrongly diagnosed him with a cancerous tumor. The unnamed patient had his penis surgically removed at Arezzo's San Donato Hospital. Wow, name so, and names. So, yeah, let's, uh, if you were thinking, if you're on the fence of whether or not you wanted to get some cancer work done over there, maybe uh, think again. The ill-fated procedure occurred after the urologist incorrectly diagnosed the patient, understood to be a man late in his, aged in his late 60s, one month before the amputation occurred. Maybe the man in the 60s had a habit of like drawing permanent marker on his dong. Like what it, <laughs> and then the surgeon was like, yeah, this is where I do it. Everyone's like, that was sure? a long way to go for oh, a man. stupid joke. <laughs> <laughs> God. Okay, so despite the misdiagnosis, the amputation went down without a hitch. So at least they got that bit right. Probably not bit. the bit you want to muck up though. Doctors made the sickening discovery during a post-op analysis of the man's now mutilated member. Can you imagine when it first dawns on you? First dongs on you. <laughs> I've made a huge mistake. Well, it's like average. It's, it wasn't that like, big. Like an average size mistake, probably. Uh, the mortified patient. <laughs> sorry. In a gut-wrenching moment, doctors found there was no tumor at all and had removed the man's perfectly healthy penis for no reason at all. The mortified patient is now seeking compensation in the wake of the massive medical stuff up. Uh, this is this is a they are proud of themselves. It's British, uh, British. This is lad Bible. Uh, as per ABC, the doctor responsible for the disastrous misdiagnosis will now have to front court to face down a judge and the man who had his tallywhacker removed due wow. to his incredible Tom Fuller error. Wow, shenanigans and tomfoolery <clears throat> resulting in a tallywhacker. Being taken. Well, All right. Sounds so that, like his tally yeah. got whacked, actually. Yeah, let's, uh, that leads to uh, the question of the day. Yeah. Would you rather um, 
Because there have been medical... This is a good segue. (laughs) Would you rather lose your penis in Italy or in Milwaukee? (laughs) Which state is better? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There there have been um, cases where where people are going for some sort of um, limb amputation and the doctor cuts off the wrong limb. Yeah, correct. Um, Okay, so would you rather lose a limb or... You tally whacker. Is it wagger? Tally wagger? Whacker. Whacker. Okay. It's been a while since uh, you've whacked some tallies, so it's understandable. Oh, man. Uh, I'd take a limb. You'd rather lose a limb. Okay. Now, does it depend? Now, does age matter? Because this guy's in his, in his 60s. Yeah, he's in his late 60s. So when you're 60. I don't plan on being done for a while. So you'd rather lose like a leg. Then yeah, the main member yeah because I could yeah okay okay I could always get a prosthetic that resembles a tallywhacker just in honor of yeah. the me choosing this option in place of your limb in place of my limb in honor of me choosing the, that <laughs> Wait, limb what? over my tallywhacker your limb would you have a dick leg yeah <laughs> <laughs> it would it would be fully functional. <laughs> Like as a leg, like would it support weight? <laughs> oh yeah, this is the sophomore. But like not all the show. time. Yeah. But like not all the time. Aren't you guys, not, was not my intention. But aren't only, you guys glad I'm back? Only, <laughs> only when you're interested. Okay. Yeah. He okay. really wants to walk right now. <laughs> now, hey Lisa, get in here. I gotta, I gotta walk downstairs. <laughs> now, how much, how much should this guy sue for? How much is, how much is it worth? Oh, hold on, let's find out. Let's guess. Let's guess. Uh, I'm gonna say ten million. 10 million pounds or American dollars? Uh, 10 million quid. Oh, wow. I don't even know what that means. I think it means dollars. Well, let's see. It, it hasn't, they, they don't say, um, but uh, March 9th. Oh, March 9th. It's coming up. So maybe uh, next episode I can, I can update us on what's going to happen. But I will say this. In a sort of similar case in the U.S., police in Mobile, Alabama had the opposite issue recently when someone discovered a, or mobile. A human penis at a petrol station. It, uh, it was particularly concerning as the decapitated doodle <laughs> was not attached to a human or a body. Just, just, just a doodle. A, just a doodle hanging out there. So that's your. Uh, bro- be one of the saddest. Okay. That's now, your bro news. So that leads to my second question bro. of the day. Would you rather. Call it a doodle. Find or a, a tallywhacker. Find a decapitated doodle or a doodle attached to something. <laughs> Someone. Oh, I'm completely lost on the last. All right, so I'm going to say (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say 10 million, and I think the interesting thing is they need to justify the amount that they're asking for the the compensation, and so he's he's probably going to have to have his wife come in and testify how often they're you know romping. Uh, to say, hey, he's really missing out on a lot of curricular. Well, extra, that that plus his OnlyFans site is now like <laughs> worthless. So <laughs> right. how much more so would he have made? It could be worth more now. Yeah, they but, did. Oh, yeah, yeah, they did interview the gas station worker, and they said that he confirmed it was a whole dick. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's in quotes. That's in the news. All right. Well, speaking of dicks. <clears throat> In Bible stuff, uh, let's talk about, uh, maybe that's fair, maybe it's not, we'll see. So, 
I got, uh, let's see where this heads. Um, I got several clips and, um, I really hope we have a, a timing like, Hey everybody, if you want to skip over. Yeah. We don't do chapters. I, I suppose we could figure that out. Some podcasts do that. We should figure this ahead. out. I don't know yeah. if anybody's going to get to <laughs> minute nine. We'll name that last one. Skip past the dicks. <laughs> Dick skip. So I, I've got, there's a local church that's fairly large, pastored by one Jack Hibbs. Oh, this segment is called Pastor Jack's Off. Now, I can't I can't claim credit for that. <laughs> I was through a, a series. We, we're, we don't know if we're supposed to laugh. Yeah, I'm like, uh, I'm confused. It's a slow burn. <laughs> no, I, I directly stole that from uh, Drunk Ex-Pastors podcast, who we had one of those guys on, Jason, way back in the day. They're still going strong. And I recently, coincidentally, was looking through their feed and they've been talking about Jack Hibbs right around the time that a family member of mine who goes to Jack Hibbs Church, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills? Yeah, Chino Hills. Large church, many, many thousands online and in services. It's uh, what, 30, 30 miles, 40 miles east of uh, LA, yeah, roughly. In the IE. Uh, they did a event with him and Charlie Kirk, who is, uh, his thing is Turning Point. Right. Turning point USA. Now, so family members like, you got to listen to this. We just felt it was really balanced and it's speaking to a lot of the issues of our time. And so I listened to it and God, that'll teach me to turn this thing on. Do not disturb. Sorry. Jeff is texting in the middle of my conversation. (laughs) Wait, what? Am I not supposed to say that? I'm not texting. I'm searching up the app for turning point. Okay. So I used to listen to it. All right. Well, so I listened to it and what I'm going to complain about here has less to do with what they say about politics and religion. It's all like current events. They're afraid of everything woke. Um, and I'll, and honestly, like I agree with some of their concerns about some of, uh, the way society is going, uh, vehemently disagree with the prescriptions for them. But very end times focus. This is a Calvary Chapel pastor. If you go to Calvary Chapel, or if you if you're going to be a pastor at Calvary Chapel, you go through their schools where they teach a very specific interpretation of Revelation and eschatology. And you can't if you deviate from that at all, you're out. It's yeah, and it's why, pretty clear. Why is Charlie Kirk there? Just like I don't think this was a Sunday morning thing. I think it was a. It was a Friday night service or something. Talking where, about contemporary politics and direction of of, of politics in the U.S. and what the church, why okay. the church should be interested in, in the direction it should go. And is it common? Does he usually, does he show up at churches a lot? I think he's the type of guy that wants to make money and feed his... Uh, wow. Okay. That's, his, that's, uh, <laughs> no, well, I like to make money too, for, for the record, but I think... He, I don't like making money at all. This dude, he's a brilliant guy. At 18, he started this thing that's now a, a huge Turning Point USA is like a, a big deal. Um, and I'm sure he's doing very well for himself. And I, I don't think he'll turn to any, any place that's going to feed and complement that is where he's going to go. And I didn't realize he was so like, uh, I'm going to use scare quotes here, biblically focused until I listened to this. Like oh. he, he was dropping a bunch of Bible stuff that I think 
often is very terrible interpretation. Yeah. You got a, you got a clip to play? Is this, well, is this Char- is that Charlie Kirk? Yes. Yeah. Now in his uh, now he his turning point, he does a lot of uh, campus like college campus yeah. um, tables or booths, and he so he's he's out there in the he he the, likes to own the libs as yeah the kids say yeah and I and I've heard I've heard a number of those and I don't think he appeals to the Bible that often on those because no. he's he's making he's trying to make arguments that are on the same level as the people that, that come up to come up to yeah. him and are, you know, and the people that come up to him are espousing a particular view. And so he's, he's de- trying to debunk that view. Yeah. And there's yeah. any number of those that the listener could look up and he's, he's very much a salesman type. And I just use that in like, you'll, you Let's might hear, hear he's going to use some things that He's speaking to an audience. He knows what they want to hear. And so he's going to use language that they'll understand. Um, I'm excited. <clears throat> yeah. Play the clip. Does this need any setting? Uh, oh, he has no patience. Charlie is out of patience for pastors who don't see it like he does. Oh, invisible realm or domain. They call themselves atheists. They're, they're, they're not. They just, yep. you know, they're, they're lost. But it's really interesting though, Jack. There is no other way to explain the campaign of arson for dominion over this nation. Sorry, I skipped ahead. Pray for patience. There we go. Of which I am, I am, I'm taking out a loan on patience, okay? (laughs) With, by the way, I have plenty of patience for atheists, for secularists, for even some liberals. I have no patience for people who call themselves pastors who won't engage in the spiritual war that is happening around them every single day. No patience. I'm done. Yeah, amen. And I'll, I'll just add one more thing to it. I talked to a, a pastor the other day, and I will not say his name. And he says, I, he said, it's not, it's not clear oh, to me kind of what the way forward is. I'm, he said, I'm going to need more time to figure it out. And I lost it. I'll be very honest, right? Again, fruit of the spirit of self-control. I temporarily put that one on pause. And um, I, I, I acknowledge my sins publicly so you could pray for me and I repent. No, it's, I, I could have handled it better. I said, really? Oh, you need more time. Three years into a virus that we funded in Wuhan, mainland China, deployed on the entire world, we put kids out of school and they're killing themselves at record rates. Our border is wide open. They shut down, they shut down schools and jail pastors, keep strip clubs and marijuana dispensaries and alcohol, uh, alcohol stores open. They deem you non-essential. We have abortion on demand. We're medically mutilating kids and you need like more time to figure it out. Like you should resign from the ministry. That's Sorry, right. pal. Amen. No, that's true. You don't, you don't repent of that. You don't, you don't repent from that. That's no, absolute no. truth. Now, that's Hibbs, a pastor, quote unquote, saying you don't repent from that. So I want you to forget about how you feel about those individual things. He just threw the kitchen sink on this one, quote unquote, pastor he's talking to. That, he, But notice the thing that threw me about this conversation and that has me like wanting um, family to be like, no, find, find a different church and take a break from that type of content because there's... They're scratching ears and they're scaring people. And that's how people are controlled is through fear. And so he, he basically just created this straw man. And so if, if you're a pastor who doesn't see things like him, and this is all throughout this episode, if you don't, if you're a pastor, mm. who doesn't see things like Charlie Kirk or with Jack Hibbs, then you're, you're part of the globalists. 
you may as well be part of the left. And this is not, it might mm. not be clear from this specific example, but it, this is one example of many of forget about how, what you care about, you know, uh, trans issues or whatever. He just threw the kitchen sink and like applied it to this one guy that doesn't actually exist. Cause that guy probably has complex thoughts about what to do about specific issues. Um, and then the fact that Hibbs says there's no, there's no repenting from that. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what he meant. I'm not sure what he meant by there's no repenting from that, but it's, it's Charlie um, Kirk even goes like, wait a second. Like, are you Charlie Kirk's like, Whoa, that's a little far. Like, are you, are you well, sure? Yeah. I think he was saying you're, you're doing a sorry, not sorry kind of thing. Like, yeah. Right. Like Charlie's going, I repent of that. And he's like, you no, you shouldn't be or, saying you're sorry about or that. Or maybe he's saying that once they go down that line, the pastor can't repent. It, from that. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe he's, maybe he didn't mean to use the word can't, but it, it could be, could be translated as it'd be very, it's very difficult to come back from that line of thinking. Cause you've already abandoned other other aspects of biblical truth that so so you so why why would why would they come back from that if wait, they've already if they've already gone down that road is wait is that what he's talking about though cuz charlie kirk sets that up by saying i repent of my re, my reaction here and and hibbs responds there the first thing that hibbs says Jail after pastors he, keep strip clubs and marijuana dispensaries sorry, and back. alcohol uh, alcohol stores open further back they deem you well, non-essential. Char- Charlie Kirk. Abortion on demand. We're medically mutilating kids. Pause. And you need like more time to figure. At, before he sets this up, Charlie Kirk describes how he kind of lost his cool in the response and said, I need like, I should, re- I need to repent of that. No. Yeah. No, he repent. He was making a joke about, Oh, pray for me. Pray for patience because you know, I lost mm-hmm. my cool and I shouldn't have lost my cool. That was his point, but he used the words repent. I thought, but that's, and that's what Jack Hibbs sounded like he responded to. No, mm-hmm. Jack Hibbs was saying, well, Let's if you hear. listen to this, this uh, diatribe of okay. a bunch of evils that are happening in the world, and this mm-hmm. pastor doesn't want to politically engage the way Charlie Kirk wants him to. And jail pastors keep strip clubs and marijuana dispensaries and alcohol, uh, alcohol stores open. They deem you non-essential. We have abortion on demand. We're medically mutilating kids. And you need like more time to figure it out. Like you should resign from the ministry. That's Sorry, right. pal. Amen. Well, that's, that's right. True. Amen. You don't, you don't repent of that. Oh, you, don't, you don't repent from that. Said, no, he just, said you don't just, repent from that. You, just not, him, not that you can't repent from that. He said that you don't, that they're coming. That, so that, that's why I think it would be more think, of a. Can we let him finish the sentence? I just want to hear what he says. Absolute truth. You see, you see, Jack says, I- you don't, you don't repent of that. You don't, you don't repent from that. That's no, absolute no. truth. Okay. Pause real quick. You see, you see, Jack says, he's talking to Charlie there. He's not talking about the other pastor. Oh, you might be right. Cause he's saying mm-hmm. you don't repent from that. That's absolute truth. As in Charlie, you told him the absolute truth. You might be right. <clears throat> no, yeah, maybe you might be right. But n- yeah. then I have to quibble, quibble with like, this is another, the absolute truth comment is another thing that's throughout yeah. this and I've since gone on a rabbit hole uh mm. through Pastor Jack Land and uh dogmatic certainty this is the way there's this side and there's the other side if you're not on this side other side it's it's his style and it's easy to see why these family members that are very scared though there's a lot of uncertainty in the world it feels like things are moving at a crazy clip. 
things are progressing using that word intentionally in a way that is freaking people out, especially older people that are more conservative. And so you're going to be drawn to somebody who speaks quickly and with authority and there's no gray area. And I I get the appeal, the appeal to that. It feels safe, but. But what if they're, what if they are, they're agreeing with him that the, the things that Charlie Kirk pointed out, all those things, which some of it was COVID some, and then some of it was this, the, um, uh, transitioning young people like, you know, kids, um, or teenagers, which uh, is only a kid unless, if uh, God asked for it. What? <laughs> Circumcision. Keep going. I, I, Keep going. Yeah, Keep going. That, that's a terrible, that's a oh terrible. It probably is. That's, that's a, no, come on, bro. You can't. I can't repent from that. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> no, you don't, you don't repent from that. And I don't think you will. Uh, uh, but that that's a terrible uh, correlation Don't there. Don't get distracted. I didn't uh, see if that uh, <laughs> Italian doctor was Jewish or not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, but what, what if the people are there because they agree with that? They see things going on in the world and they're like, wow, they, I, I, don't they think, I don't think that these things are right. And, and wow, these people are talking about it. That's great. I, w- I want to go here because these people are actually talking about it, actually confronting the things that are going on in the world that I disagree with. Why is that a problem? Just because they were use the word absolute truth like that, that shouldn't I, I, I just I wouldn't hyper focus on this phrase absolute truth when these people are agreeing with them. That's why they're there in the first place. It's their understanding of the Bible and their understanding on what is needed how you're supposed to engage in the world as a Christian, that is absolute truth. And that's the rub. If you I'm di- not sure that that's what he was saying. I'm telling you, if you listen to, I'm not, I'm talking globally about Hibs and globally about this specific hour long discussion. It's not just encapsulated in that moment. And that's, that's my worry is it's less about what they're worried about. I share a lot of the political concerns, believe it or not. Um, but it's, all throughout, it's in versus out. It's in group, out group, and it's dualistic thinking, like A or B. This is right. This is wrong. All throughout, in a way that is like, it's what cults use to control people, to get people involved, and to believe and and to really buy in. And whether they know it or not, it's these are techniques that cults use. And when I hear these techniques being used, that's why I don't want you to get distracted about the issues. It's it's concerning to me. Um, a couple of things that uh, I have another clip. Well, I, I, I mean, I don't, that's a, a cult is, is kind of like, uh, I'm not saying this is a cult. <laughs> well, you, you're, you're like approach that line uh, very closely. Um, they use the same, but, but same it's tactics. not just, it's, it's not how you grow an organization, but it's not, but it's not just cults that have some sort of quote unquote, absolute truth. Um, but, but that like, Shying away from absolute truth is not some virtue that you should hold above. That's not everything what I'm doing, else. Scott. I want you to listen clearly. Absolute truth exists. That's not the point. It's their understanding of of the issues that is absolute truth. There's no disagreeing with their understanding. There's a quote from Charlie Kirk um, towards the end that he has two rules he lives he likes to live by, or, and he holds himself to for his audience. I will not lie to myself, and I will not lie to my audience. If that offends you. If that bothers you, then the truth bothers you, and you have much deeper problems than that. Which sounds a little bit like it's in the ballpark of Dr. Fauci, Dr. Truth Science, saying if you disagree with me, you disagree with science. 
Well, yeah, of course. He, he's saying that th- th- these are the things that I think are true. Yeah. Well, like, and if why, that offends you, then you have a problem with truth. Well, yeah, this because pe- someone you want to follow is what I'm saying. No, that's that that that's not okay. Even, well, that's that sounds like a truth claim. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying there aren't truth claims, Scott. <laughs> I know, but it's like, hey, d- don't follow people who think that they're right about what they're saying, who have a strong conviction. That, mm-hmm. which is a strong conviction about Charlie Kirk. Don't follow fundamentalists. Well, I think maybe the underlying problem is that there, it feels like when someone makes a statement like that, there's zero humility, humility in it. There's no, it's, it's pronounced in a way that feels like I have no chance of being wrong. So you can believe something and also be open to the fact that like maybe, and, and I could be wrong about this thing. But when someone makes a statement like that, they don't leave room for that. They don't leave room for, Someone to go, well, I have new information or I've seen it differently. And how do you, how do you jive with that? And, oh, okay, maybe I can accept a new idea and examine new data to, to modify how I feel. But when it gets presented absolutely like that, like you don't like the maybe, truth. Maybe, maybe. How but do you guys that, feel that about- might be, you might, you might be, I think you might be, um, uh, going overboard on your analysis of what he's what's saying. The, what's, do this, do the quote again. What's, what's his quote? I will not lie to myself and I will not lie to my audience. Both things that I like. Let me well, be clear. Weird. Okay. Uh, if that offends you, if that bothers you, then the truth bothers you, which means Charlie Kirk is the truth. Well, no, he's saying, he's saying if you, if, if you, if you're going to, let's have a discussion because he has a lot of discussions with people. Mm-hmm. That's part of his turning point USA thing is to have discussions right. with people. Right. And he, he allows them to bring arguments against what he's saying. I will not lie to myself or my audience implies he's telling the truth. And if you are no, offended. He, no, he doesn't think that he's lying to his audience. I know, which means he's telling the truth to his audience. And if you disagree with that, the truth offends you. Do you, do you think that you're telling the truth? That's not what I'm, I'm talking I, about. No, but that's, that's. Everyone thinks that, they're telling the truth. Exa- okay, exa- part, exactly. I mean, except when, uh, they're, exa- when so they know they're not. What I'm exactly. taking, what I'm taking except from. Except for Fauci. What I'm taking from what, what Zach has brought to the table here is that if, let's say he had said that he, he's preaching the Bible, these are Jesus' words, this, this is God, um, if this offends you, then, you know, you, you're against the truth or, or whatever wording he might use. And that would be like, yes, as believers, like, the Bible is the Bible. I mean, there's it's truth, and everyone sees it the same. But with yes, <laughs> everyone, hold on, everyone, everyone should hold see on. it. The, the thing same. is, he's putting himself as up on that pedestal, and I think that's the point that's being made here. Is that do you want do you want to follow someone who is like I'm the person that you should be following, and and my truth it reigns over the world as far as I'm concerned. And so if you don't, if you don't like what I'm saying, then you don't like the truth. That's I, a I very, don't, mani- don't think, that's a very manipulative. I don't think that's what he's saying. Though. No, it's a, it's a great way to market. It's a I, fantastic I way to market. I don't in, think that's what how he's saying. He's, yeah, he is. Is how no, he's, he's, <laughs> no, he's not. Hey, then you just don't like the truth. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, Cause if I don't, if I disagree no, with what you, I'm saying, then you're going to be like, Oh, Scott doesn't know the truth about Charlie Kirk. Scott, do you think, what I'm saying is that nobody can make a truth claim. 
Well, okay. So the way you word it sometimes or oftentimes it sounds like that's what you're saying. Do you, Jeff, do you think I'm saying you can't make any truth claims or that one should never make truth claims, Jeff or Andy? No. Like I, if, if that's what you feel like I'm going, then it's the I ab- repent. The absolute, <laughs> <laughs> it's the, it's the absoluteness of it, right? That's probably the part that gets. Yeah. And that, it goes on. They speak a lot about revelation and eschatology and the imminent return of Christ in a way that where if you disagree, you're part of the globalists because you want the one world government. You disagree with Christ returning yeah, right now. And I would disagree with them on the imminent return of Christ. And that's what I'm saying. If you're following yeah. people like Hibbs and Kirk that speak in absolutes, it's going to poison you against individuals. It's there. There's not individuals so much as there are them with the truth. And then there's the globalists, the left, the progressives, like all the people outside. And what that does is it poisons you against individuals that have individual thoughts and feelings that aren't part of like, what does LGBTQ plus community mean? These are different people that are going to disagree with a lot of things, even within like that topic. But if you're trained to see them as it's part of that agenda you're going to be a shitty Christian and a, and less able to love the individual in front of you. That is my concern. Maybe, maybe, but you're if if you don't if you don't speak truth, then you're a shitty Christian. That's not what I'm talking about, though. It's more it's more okay, style that's, over that's substance. That's what I'm talking about. Then I, I, that's, and I recognize your quote, um, Jeff. Did you have something else? I'm sure no, you will. I, no, I, I'm gonna. You have something else? Well, okay. So I'll just say, I'll go back to the eminence thing that I disagree with with Hibbs, and I don't know if if Kirk was going along with that as well. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, Calvary Chapel they believe in an imminent return of Christ. I mean, meaning that he Jesus can return at any time. There's nothing that has to no prophecy. People get ready. <laughs> Jesus is come. That that Jesus that there's no prophecy that has to be fulfilled before Jesus can return. Yeah. And that's something I disagree with the whole Calvary Chapel movement on. Um, but even then, I'm not, I even I still agree with a lot of what like Jack Hibbs says or in, in even Charlie Kirk. And so I like I yeah, hey, maybe I don't I don't go to their church. Okay. Yeah. No, and I I want to be clear, like this isn't so much of this world is like we saw it. Trump broke the media because he's such a polarizing character. It's like Trump says one thing, it has to be bad. The media reports it as bad, no matter what he says, even if he, even if he's a broken clock and he gets it right twice a day or, and they have to go, they have to go to the opposite of what, and that is not what I'm doing. I have, there there are points of political agreement on some of, some of these topics or, you know, I would want to nuance it a hell of a lot more than they do, but what's a, what's a version of that? There some of these statements that you would, like that you wish how what's the way you wish they would word it well you can't you can't do it you can't grow a church with the way i would word it, so no no well, no, yeah, no i'm but, just, uh, just because there's despite that this like cuz this they don't own the the patent on this thinking right it exists everywhere and outside of cults it, it exists um i mean every single major right. fan of a sports team believes in their deepest heart of hearts yeah, and you yeah. can't prove them wrong that and every major organization that grows and get gets their employees to buy in they're doing versions of these tactics which you know it's not evil on its face is is not what i'm saying it's more when i hear it from people that are putting the weight of god and like 
the universe, like what is actually correct, when they're putting the weight of God behind it, that's when things can get hairy. And I don't know if it's hairy yet at that church, but I'm not. Um, no, they don't ordain women. Right. If this was if this was Walmart or Amazon or any other <laughs> big uh, corporation, that'd be a different story. Apple, whatever, they could say something like that, and you'd be like, ah, you know, look at these guys. They're just another marketing scheme. But when it's within the Christian um, church. It feels, it does, and I said this earlier, it feels a little manipulative and you're trying to box people in and you're right. Anybody who would go against it, they would have two choices. One, they'd either be sucked into the the tank with them and they would just be depleted of all their oxygen and then just be like, okay, I guess I'll join you. Or they're out and they don't belong and because they've given an A and a B option and you either you can see your way out of it. But what if you are, what if they're convinced? Like, yeah. And, and let's go back truly- to your, your question, Andy. Well, your question to Zach is, okay, so let's say, let's say they remove the word, the phrase absolute truth and they go, Hey guys, this is what we see is going on in the world. I, I don't like it for these reasons. You can, agree, you can agree with me or not, but this is what I'm talking about. Um, and this is what we're doing to try to move culture aw- away from what's going on in the world. Is it, that is that it, it would it's a step in the right direction, but listening to Hibbs criticize other Calvary Chapel pastors about them saying like another local pastor that I have another family member that goes to during election season basically said made a version of like it doesn't matter as much as you think it does who you vote for. And it, he was, he was, there's a lot of context to basically be in the world, engage. Was that Greg Glory? But don't have, no, I don't think so. Okay. But uh, Hibbs just the next week didn't name him by name, but just really railed into him. Hibbs, uh, Andy stepped out, I think, to go to the bathroom. So I'll save my quote from Hibbs. But to answer Andy's question, um, like the, the abortion, abortion on demand, like, I would like to see as few abortionists as possible. Like I, I don't like abortion, but the church has done a number on women that have had abortions or hide the fact they've had abortions because of the shame and disown family. Like I'm talking about super conservative. Like the church hasn't handled forgiveness and reconciliation and walking women through tough aspects of like not having resources like there's a cliche that the left uses there. I said it, the left, but it comes from the left is yeah. You're, you're pro-life until they have the baby. And then it's like, yeah, well you're on your own, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which is simplistic, but you could see how there's a little bit of, there's, there's a little bit of truth to that. And, well, yeah. Cause there's it, also <laughs> a double-edged sword in all of that. And that the church would, uh, Oh, church is horrible. And okay. There, there's a woman who had an abortion and she's a part of our church. Like we're going to ostracize her. She got an abortion. This is not what we believe in. <sighs> However, if you go into uh, like talking with that person, building relationship and get into the um, forgiveness and like walking them through, right. like maybe they have guilt and shame. You then have um, another part of your church saying, 
by trying to help this person through this, you're actually condoning what she did. I mean, there's that thought right. process. And that would that would be down the line. And I think what I think what Hibbs and Kirk are talking about more is because these things are being brought to the forefront on the political level, what do we as the church do? And you can get into those nuanced conversations with individuals within your congregation on, on whatever they've done, but what do we as a church do about these, these more uh, broader issues that we get the chance to vote on and we get, we, as Christians, I have your answer. We, we, as Christians, we have a conviction. And so why can't we say, no, we don't want these things in our society and we should do something about it on the political level and where we can vote because we have that right. Right. Answer, so, Zach. Yes. So, so during the 2016 election season, Hibbs said that God wants you to vote for one of the two main party candidates. And if you vote third party, you're taking stupid pills. So okay, that's the type of <laughs> leadership that I'm like, um, there are a million reasons. This land of the free, home of the brave. It's good. I like the specific example. Vote for who you want. <laughs> Unless it's not who I want you to vote for. No, right. well, I like that. That's good because it's his real words. I don't like it. When, sometimes when we like create the theoretical like straw man arguments, I get a little uncomfortable because I'm like, oh, we're cherry picking a scenario. But but isn't that a real thing? Like, yeah, if if you vote, there 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 are third party candidates that take votes away from other candidates. Yeah, the point is good. that he's saying, well, good, you, but you either do this or you're wrong, and that's. Seems to be the argument of Jack Hibbs. You either you're either with me or you're wrong, because I'm telling the truth, and and if you're not with me, you're wrong. I can make an incredible. Sometimes case. you are. Sometimes <laughs> you are. Sometimes you are wrong if you disagree if, with if Jack. If we Hibbs. had the yeah. time, and if don't kill people. If you want to, speaking of not killing people, <laughs> if you want to have uh, blood on your hands, vote for one of the two party candidates, because I can make an incredible foreign policy argument that the two parties. The way they love each other the most is by going to war and fucking shit up overseas. And it is not a pretty record. And there's blood on the hands of any, technically, if you wanted to make the argument, like if you're voting for that, pick a president since time of war. Except for Trump, because he didn't start any new wars. You can walk any human down a path, Jack Hibbs as well. And he, at some point would be like, yeah, murder that person. In, in, in a certain wait, 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 what certain, are you talking about? In a certain circumstance, in a certain <laughs> circumstance, circumstance pod, even, okay, even no, 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 like let's turning point USA, USA, I mean, USA. USA. He calls it's you, it's turning point USA, USA. Him and Char, Charlie Kirk and Jack like Hibbs, bullet point USA. The, <laughs> but ultimately, we're humans, Knife and if you walk USA. us down a path and put enough pressure, that we will say, yes, kill that person. They're going to kill my wife. They're going to kill my friend. So, um, that's not true, dude. You're making that up. I realize I realize so vague. It's too vague. I I think we should let him finish his point. The, I mean, I realize I'm creating a little bit of a straw man here, but if you walk anybody down a path of pressure and decision, you get to the end where it's like, are we Jesus? And we're, we're, we're like, Yes, I'll sacrifice myself and I will, unfortunately, yeah, people are going to die in this scenario or I'll take my life 
I'll let them take my life and sacrifice. The other side is we're human and we go down a path and someone's got a gun to a friend's head or our wife's head and they're like, Jack Hibbs, what are you going to do? Let me kill your wife or, or I'm talking about death. So he would choose to either let his wife die or kill somebody. Yeah, the, he would he would choose choose to kill the person that has a gun to the per, his wife's head. Yeah, I, I I'm pretty sure. Why? Maybe I don't know. We've invented this. We're prescribing yeah. like future. I, I realize this, Maybe. but the point the my point being is Jack Hibbs at some point will flaw himself if given the opportunity, and. Because flaw he's himself? yeah, not flog, flaw. He'll he has a a flaw at because he's human that he'll have to make a choice that goes against what he believes in when put in a in a certain predicament that he has no other choice but to go against what he believes, and then you know if, no, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying we, that I'm saying that that's that the Saw J- movies, Jack right? Gives, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Hibbs. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm Saw 17. No, I, I think Jack Hibbs has, Jack. has a general concept of Jack self-defense so that if, that if someone is trying to take your life, you have a biblical right to right. I don't kill, want to kill that. Okay. And so, so I, I just, it, it might not be a good example for Jack Hibbs in particular, so, um, but so I think we would yeah. all, I think no matter the most peaceful person, if they're confronted with defending someone they love is going to make a decision that they wish they didn't have to make, but right. it's like the lesser of that's life, the lesser of two evils. But that reminds me of a real life scenario where I asked my coworker who loved her dog very much. If you were faced with a moment where you saw your dog and a stranger who was a human or and they a were man both with a penis for a leg, that's <laughs> drowning in a lake, which one would you, and you could only save one. Whoa. Which one would you save? There, I think there are a lot of people today that would say they're their pet. Dogs are people too. She said her dog. Yeah, oh. and that's when I told her I was like, "What a bitch!" We can't be friends. <laughs> I told her she was morally bankrupt. That <laughs> 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 she's like, "Why?" Because that's yeah. that's a bullshit answer, man. I mean, there's what's a good, wrong with you? There's a. I mean, you don't know it until you're in the very moment. I. Yeah, I, but there are people. True. There are people though. That, like there are videos you could watch on YouTube where there's like a bear or a mountain lion or something that comes in and attacks their their pet, and they go out and risk their own lives for their pet. And it's like, I just I'm saw, not sure I would do that. I've I seen saw, it go both ways. Yeah, I saw a video of a guy punching a kangaroo the other day. Same that thing is one of the best videos. Have you seen that? <laughs> kangaroo had his dog in a headlock. Yeah. Kangaroo had his dog in a straight up headlock, Kangaroos. and he went over and he looked at the kangaroo and. Like just decked him dude, yeah, right funny, in the face. That was great CGI. The aliens are already here, man. <laughs> it was, awesome. was so weird. And it was like standing there and it was some like Aussie flexing. Dude. The kangaroo was dude. flexing. Look at him like, the fuck you just do to me? <laughs> I've tried that. that again. He's like, hell no. And the guy like no. five years ago. Yeah, the guy like backed up. He's like, uh, he took that punch pretty well. <laughs> that's where that meme, dude, that the meme, the fuck. That's like the perfect yeah. example of that. So I, I want to ask you guys, I have a statement and you uh, tell me what you think positive or negative briefly about the statement. There are no simple answers to complex problems. What do you guys think? Like generally agree, generally disagree. There are no simple, simple answers, answers to complex problems. I would disagree. 
So that means that there are so to some to complex solve com- wait, wait, Oh man, the I co- got two options. The question is the answer. <laughs> 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 no, yeah. So so what I and I because I think I'm I think I'm would say the same thing that for some complex problems there are simple answers mm-hmm. and I would I would say that that's correct. That's fantastic. I like that. Yeah. That's- it's it's not a universal. It's not like all complex problems have a simple answer. No. No, I well yeah. I, I agree with you. What? Say that again? Clip that. <sighs> I like that pregnant pause. So mm. I like the thought that there there are no generally I think if it's a problem is complex the answer is going to be complex. And there's, so I I think I'm on the other end of the equation where it's like, I would lean more towards generally there's no simple answers to complex problems generally, even though I just said no, but uh, with occasional caveats. So, you know, pick all those issues you, you listed, add that eschatology, the study of the end times. What does the Bible actually say about the end or is what better put the end of the age. Uh, is that a simple problem or a complex problem? I think that's a complex problem that many, many smart people, by the way, pe- smarter people than me that agree with Hibbs on eschatology and do it well that I disagree with. I'm fine with that. Like there's a lot of ways to interpret the Bible and I get it. I'm not even, I'm not, it's, a, I'm not quite sure what it's what not a simple problem. <laughs> Um, I'm, okay. All the problems they listed, abortion, the trans stuff, to fix those from our perspective now is a complicated venture, in my opinion. Like, obviously, you could name a bunch of simple answers that aren't going to happen because it's fantasy. Like, the, the act we're, of actually solving problems. Yeah. I'm, I'm just still not, like... We're planting arguments in people's mouths, so... I know. I'm, I mean... <laughs> Because that's cool. Yeah, this is actually, part, I always, I always hate it when we do this. This bugs me a lot when we do this. So yeah. I prefer to not like put words and in their we mouth. Probably shouldn't have a podcast. Well, no, you know, we can have about things. That's, that's exactly. That's okay. I, agree with I just you. don't want to put words in their mouth and like make them out to say things that they didn't say. No, I'm not. They just they just listed a bunch of problems in the world. Yeah. They said they had strong feelings about them. They didn't talk about how they were going to solve them, that they were that's not direct the solutions. Well, that's what you just so said. I'm communicating poorly. If <laughs> it, those problems are complicated issues, generally. Solving those problems are not simple. They're complicated. Now, when you say complicated, they, you're complicated like, um, like because, because a, just in general. Just, I, know, I know, but let's just say a simple answer. 30,000 foot view. Okay, but let's just say a simple answer to one of those problems is change a law. Change, change the law, and now people have to figure this out individually for themselves if I they're going to follow the law or not. That's kind right? of what they're thinking is like uh, right. engage so, politically to change laws to control behavior so, so, that you like. Yeah, so when, you, when you're talking about complicated answers, are you talking about from a uh, political, like, a uh, uh, um, countrywide solution, or are you talking about like at the individual level? Like, what is the individual supposed to do with whatever is going on in in the country? We're picking nits. My my point is, and this might be my fault. Um, my point is, I think <laughs> there are complicated problems often require complicated solutions and working through. Yep. Listening to these gentlemen is just replete with like this is it 
that's wrong. There's, there's no actual solutions. It's just naming a bunch of problems and we should be against those. There's no solutions. It's like a pep rally. And, and what, what I should have led off this with is that like Hibbs is kind of like he's political operative and he's pastor. I think he should choose one. I don't think that's fine. I don't think he, he, I think he should choose one. And I have a clip that leads. I was trying to lead to about Mm. eschatology being complicated. Do you guys agree that the study of the end is complicated? Yeah, that's fine. And we'll, are you, we'll edit the last 20 minutes. Are you willing, are you willing though to like, uh, to separate the identification of the, of the problem with the, with identification of a solution? Yeah. Cause I may, said, I agree with some of the problems. Well, identif- well, but when it comes to complexity, sometimes identifying the problem is not the complex part. So you can see that you can quickly see that something is wrong or you can see the problem and then it can take a long time or it's a highly complex solution to solve what's an easily recognizable problem. So yeah. bo- both those yeah. things can exist. Yeah. And, and it, and we, it would, it would kind of be a kind of a, an unfair thing to go. Don't, don't point out any problems unless you have a solution. It's like, well, okay, great, but maybe I'm not smart enough to have a solution. I'm just saying that this is a problem that needs to be addressed. I agree with that. And to go back to a sports metaphor, it's, I hate it when sometimes like a player, if they get criticized by somebody who doesn't play, they're like, well, have you ever played? Yeah. It's like, no, I haven't, but you were really shitty in that last game. And uh, I don't know what you did to correct it. I'm just, yeah. Mike Sosha. Oh uh, yeah! Timely reference. What happened to him? Did he say that? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> wow, he's been a few years off. Yeah, I just, I just, because he's a local, local, former local boy. Um, but I, I think I agree with what you're throwing up and putting down, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and yeah, and and eschatology is complex. Um, and I. I even as much as I like eschatology and I and I look at it a lot, I don't like people making simplistic statements about eschatology. Yeah, and I I myself try not to make simplistic statements. I try to back it up with, like, hey, this verse says this, and these other verses say this. So how do how how we we've got to we can't just focus on one. We've got to take all of the verses that talk about this particular subject into account before we try to make conclusions. And that's just the beginning of a very rich process that often yields very differing views, which is why like, no matter what, how we differently look at the, we look at the different, the different Bible differently. Yeah. It's still, the conversations are worth it because you're, there's like always something new to discover. Like it, it's been, since time began, this stuff has been going on. Well, as you were describing that too, I was thinking about the type of person who gets attracted to, to these, like these types of groups or organizations. And I don't think it's that uncommon for people to, to want to avoid conflicting ideas. Like it's in general, most people are probably uncomfortable being around people who disagree with them or who would challenge ideas. Like it feels like it's work. Also, you might be, what if you discover you're wrong? That's painful. Discovering you're wrong and like, you know, versus just being in a room where everyone's nodding their head is just easier. Like yeah. it just yeah, is. Definitely. It's easier. And so, yeah. so trying to find yourself where you're signing up for, well, at, at the end of the day, probably a lot of us do this translation in our mind too, where we're going, 
are these my people? Like I would want to surround my, myself with like-minded people who see the world or challenge the world in a similar way that I do. Um, Hence flag emojis or symbols on your profiles. Yeah. So if like we you're, add, you're signaling, I'm a part of this tribe, right? Come find me. Hey, change Ukraine or whatever LGBT it is. or whatever. Now, so, so if we adopt, if the we American adopt flag guns, and all this. Yeah. If we adopt that as an, as a, as a principle for ourselves, as like my, a basic principle is I'm not going to shut down conversation. I will, I will converse with people, even though, even though I think I'm right, I'm still going to hear other people out. And you, and you don't, yeah. have, you don't have to have this idea of like, uh, like open-minded or loose, or I'm going to hold things loosely, or I could be wrong. Like that, that, that you have that, but you don't have to, you don't have to express that. It's like, Hey, these are the reasons why I believe this particular thing. So if you, if you don't agree with me, bring the reasons why you disagree with me. This person might know something I don't. Sure. Or they might come at it from an angle that I don't, and I might learn something and I might even change. And guess what? You'd be better for it. That's yeah. yes, that's true. I'm just saying, I've never heard anyone say, yes, I've been going to this church for 20 years and I disagree with most of what they say. Right. right <laughs> Nobody right, says right. that right. because right. that's a hard, and the, right. the reason is it's a hard place to exist in long term. Which is why the churches that grow often have the hard and fast, like, you know what you're getting. This is where we stand on everything. and Because it's just, like I said, it, at the end of the day, it, it, turns tribal into, animals. it turns into work. Oh my gosh, it's friction for me to go, disagree with that. Oh my gosh. I don't have a conversation with Ricky over there because Ricky is way into eschatology. In your defense, Ricky is an asshole and he always has been. I I listen to people like, so James White, for example, I I like a lot of his stuff, but he, he's a Calvinist. I mean, just real quick. He's a Calvinist and I'll even, I'll even listen to his Calvinist stuff. Cause I'm doctor. Sorry. I want to make, I want to make like, it's funny. We can, there's a, we can have a whole conversation about that, but go ahead. I I just want to make a, there's a difference between I expose myself occasionally my genital, no, uh, ex- your what? You I expose, expose your what? <laughs> I, ex- I, I make myself available to contradicting views. That's, do that's one surgeon. thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's the time of the removal of your tally whacker, eh? Um, there's, there's, there are moments in time where we're like, we'll engage in this podcast alone. Like we will challenge, we put ourselves in a place to challenge each other's ideas, but there's a difference between that. And I'm going to, uh, organize my life with a group and or organization where it's, you know, it's throughout all parts of who I am and what we do. And, and that like, that's different. That's just a different thing. And I don't think many people tend to do that. And I'm not surprised because like I said, it's work. So if you choose to have a debate with somebody or you listen to something that you tend to disagree with those, I would be willing to bet people make those things the exception rather than the rule. Yeah. Yeah. And Hey, confession time, even in this. So as I'm doing this research and going down this Hibs rabbit hole, this Hibs hole, uh, like that comment where he said, you don't repent from that. I was reading that as, or listening to that as like, he was talking about that pastor, that pastor can't repent from that. And Andy's like, well, hold on. Like, I think he was talking about Charlie Kirk earlier saying, I repent. And he was encouraging Charlie Kirk. Like, you don't repent for that. 
like that was my bias where I was in this lane. I overall, I still, <laughs> yes, it, you, you say it didn't change that you think he's wrong. Just he's wrong for different reasons now. <laughs> yes, correct. Which, you know, maybe time will tell that that's, you know, obviously I'm biased, but it, maybe that will be revealed as another one. But it, it was like on the spot. I had to be like, yeah, I think you might be right. I didn't hear it that way. And then yeah. you gave me a little light, a little angle that I, I saw it differently. Um, but let me uh, let me get to another clip, which I th- I think will add a another little tap tap into the nail of the uh, absolutist coffin um, that you think we will tap it. This void is being filled. I think it's being filled. Ignore that. Where do you, where do you see uh, this nation, and for that matter, the nation's heading? Yeah, that, that's the question, right? And so this is why I love Jack Hibbs. And I think Jack Hibbs is one of the most important people on the planet right now. Oh, yeah. Wash his, really is that the, wash his balls. Is that the eye of Sauron and behind I'm going to tell you why. Not just because he's a great friend and a terrific patriot. And he works so hard. And he, he really does an unbelievable job of going verse by verse and chapter by chapter of God's word. But Jack has mastered eschatology. So when he says Jack has mastered eschatology, that was like a record scratch moment for me. And I was listening on the podcast. I went back to the YouTube because I'm like, I got to see what Jack Hibbs reaction is. Like, I feel like the average person would be like, no matter how much you know about eschatology, I feel like the more you know about a subject, the more holes you see, the more questions it leads to often, especially as something like the study of the end. And Jack Hibbs just sits there like, yeah, I have mastered. He doesn't nod his head, but he's like, he doesn't say like, oh, thanks, man. That's, that's too kind. Like you feel like I might be asking too much, but I feel like the fact that he sat there and received that, he doesn't mind that label. He feels like at some level he has mastered eschatology. I'm the Michael Jordan of this world here. And the reason the eschatology stuff the the politics and eschatology, it's like this snake eating its tail or it's like perpetually feeding itself because because of the the imminent return of Christ, it's feeding the fear of like, well, we gotta get our shit together politically. It's it's this thing that feeds the other. And um it I was a little I was a lot embarrassed that Charlie Kirk said that and that he just received it and this This quote goes on for a minute that I kind of want to play. Okay, play it. There are other pastors who talk a lot about eschatology, but they are completely different than Jack Hibbs. Now, let's explore that for a second, because if you were to talk about eschatology, it is, there's an urge. There is a temptation, I would say, to say, boy, things aren't falling apart. They're falling into place. Mm. I don't need to do anything and pastors play into it all the time. Mm-hmm. So like you, you're, you're reading the signs, there's wars and rumors of war, like all the things in that eschatology right now is a chaotic time around the world. It feels like everything is lining up for the, the return of Christ, by the way, that's been going on forever, but leaving that aside. So he's saying we shouldn't do anything. And I, I agree. I think this view of eschatology I actually agree with Charlie Kirk here. 
this view of eschatology can get people to be like, I don't need to do anything in the world. Maybe they don't say it that specifically, but that's the logic of it. Jesus is going to return soon, set things right. He's got a plan for the end. It's happening. And so you might, the logic of that is take your foot off the gas, disengage. You don't have to engage. And so in that respect, I, I agree with Kirk. Now, now can we, I still have more, by the way, but, but I, you can comment. Yeah, but so when you say they should disengage, what, what, how would you like to see them disengage? No, I, I don't want. I agree with him. Like it's bad. It's bad for Christians to be disengaged from the world. Okay. Okay. So, so they should engage. Yeah. Okay. How? Sh- okay. And so to me, and, th- and this is kind of point counterpoint to Jack Hibbs um, and, and Charlie Kirk. To me, the idea of an imminent return of Christ would kind of say, whether you engage or not, it's like, hey, Jesus can return at any time. There's, there's that. That's at- what Kirk is critiquing right now. Yeah. And, that and, but, but that is, that is an actual um, logical conclusion of the idea of the imminent return of Christ, because it's like, we're, we're waiting, we're waiting for Jesus to return. So there's, there's no real incentive to fix the world. And, and that, that is, that is a logical conclusion of that. But they are saying, no, Jesus can return at any, at any time, but we should still think about and do something about what's going on in our world. So, so they are trying to do something in this world. Hibbs uh, tries to solve this yeah. by saying a ver- something like, I, I believe Christ is coming back tomorrow, but I'm acting as if it's 100 years from now. Okay. Yeah. So you're, that's common. That's a common theme. Yeah. You, Zach, you reacted when Charlie Kirk made the statement uh, that Jack Hibbs is a master of eschatology. Has mastered it. Has has mastered or is a master. I'm embarrassed for both of them. And so that that and and so it, it got I'm me thinking. Offended. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but but you would you be also offended by like um like a statement like. If we said, "Oh, hey, I looked up a list of experts in eschatology," would that would that be something that would be troublesome for you? Uh, I would, I would be happy to look at it, but I would, I'd be like, "Dude, what do you mean by that? That's weird." I would. I'm reading a book right now that mentions quotes some people that are he calls experts in Revelation, like they've studied Revelation. I that offends me less because you can be an expert at something. It depends on what your conclusions are, but you can know yeah. all the different ways to interpret revelation and know like the original language, the original context that I'm comfortable with mastering yeah. something as broad as the end of the world. It feels like it's something that is unmasterable. You it, can know a lot of it. Maybe to his, I'll defend him a little bit. Maybe he was being a little loosey goosey with his language there. And and if I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'm not a Charlie Kirk apologist or a Jack Hibbs apologist at all, but there are there are sections of theology that we would say, hey, we can point to individuals who are highly esteemed, and and when we go, this theologian knows a lot about this area yeah. of theology, um, and I would be willing to bet that the thing that you would get most hung up on is the moment that people like start making predictions. 
or like deep interpretations yeah. of scripture against immediate moments in time. Which yeah. is a very, that's a very good thing to bring up, especially talking about Calvary Chapel, because consistently they've been wrong throughout their history on like Christ. Yeah. Well, technically uh, anyone think, who's made a statement <laughs> has been wrong. And where Jesus, yeah. So I think I, I would say not Calvary yeah. Chapel, dispensational theology. Yeah. It's, it's been, but, but it could be, it could be more specific Calvary Chapel. I think Chuck Smith made a prediction about the before ret- he died return of Jesus. Yeah. And, and, and oh, touched- he, did, he did a specific one way back in the day. And then before he died, he's like, it's I'm, I'm going to be alive when it comes. Yeah. And, and so those, those are always, and Jesus and, warned and, against that. Like no one knows, no yeah, one knows the hour. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's just, but I'm thinking it's of, just dumb, but, and it's what, so, okay. So even though I like Charlie Kirk and I like Jack Hibbs, but I eat, I like him, even though I disagree with his, some of his eschatology and, and yeah, so this, this phrase that he's mastered eschatology is like, well, I, I think I can debunk the imminent return of Christ with just a couple of verses. And I am like zero, I'm like 0% away. No, wait, no, that's, I'm like 99% away, away from mastering eschatology. And I just, so I just like, ah. I, I guess, yeah, since you already agree with him, you you could say that, but... Do you I, have some Jack Hibbs clips on I, eschatology? I, I, w- I would not say Jack Hibbs is a master of no. eschatology. I, it, this is more focused on the the style of the way things are presented, but I... The I absolutist find, statements. There, there are tons of stuff out there. Some of... So, January 6th, everyone knows what that is. You know, depending... It's either the apocalypse the end of democracy almost happened or um, some, some role playing was going on. Heavy LARPing. Yeah. Heavy LARPing. <laughs> the heaviest of LARPing maybe, but, but there were uh, some fat people there after, <laughs> you know, the QAnon stuff after the election and Trump, when Trump lost, there was a lot of like, Oh, actually on this date, Trump is going to retake the, the white house. Oh yeah. yeah. There were, like tons of version of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And it was, and Jack tied- Hibbs, on the eleventh, on I think it was the eleventh, he was talking predictions. I don't know if it was his podcast, but he did some. He did a version of like I've got information. I can't share it with you right now, but something's about to go down. Something's about to go down. He was at actually at the the Capitol, the protests the day before. He was on the, there the fifth. So he's super engaged like that. I'm not saying he was wanting people to storm the Capitol. Just ignore not all that ex- stuff. I would not have expected him to be part of the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's FBI, but I get your point. Hey, uh, what's but, the difference? But uh, Catholics in action versus f- food bars, bagels, and other word. I don't know. <laughs> in- <laughs> food bars. In- cells. I don't know. <laughs> Igloos. Igloos. Food bars, bagels, and igloos. <laughs> Well, the FBI. Yeah. So in okay. Milwaukee, Alaska. Anyways, there's a lot going on here. Okay. But, but I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. I lost he, it. It's okay. We're food bird. We are. We are there. There. He has a pattern of, there's like, I've got this secret information. I'm in the know and nobody's keeping track. And maybe I need to start of all the times where it's, he's been full of shit because it hasn't come to pass. It's like, okay, I get you felt strongly about that, but you've been telling people things are going to happen. And it, it's in line with people of that ilk. That's the way you sell it. That's the way you sell it. Because nobody's hooked. ever going to go back and look and double check. Like, wait a second. Didn't you say these 
three things. And But my broader point is when you hear this type of stuff going on, keep track of it. Do these people deserve yeah, your money? You people are giving their people that don't have a lot of money are Nobody supporting these. Nobody does that. They just want to have hope in something. And so they'll eat the sand. Certainly when there's you should, nothing there. Okay. And, and so I, so I, I, I agree. I like, I, I believe that God can speak to people today. Um, give them quote unquote words of knowledge. But if they, if someone does that, you should keep track of it. And if it doesn't come to pass, then you'd be like, well, no, I'm, there's no reason to trust you going forward. Like that, that should be an actual thing that people do. You know, you're right, Jeff, there is a large percentage of people who are pretty desperate and are looking for someone to give them some significant, hopeful, good news of the future. Times are scary. And it's not even now. I remember when I was in college many moons ago and we went to a Benny Hinn crusade, and, but I went as part of my persuasion and propaganda college class. He has an office here in Aliso. In Aliso? Or he did. No way. I don't know if it's still there, but it was up. This was at the Honda Center. And, um, and I remember being really sad because the general population that showed up to this Benny Hinn crusade looked like they had no money, looked like they were given the last bit of money that they had and were hanging on every single word that he said. And, and I was sitting there with my notepad and I was just jotting down every persuasion technique that he was using the whole time. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. and I just would look around and I would see the reactions I jot down the next one. I'm like, yeah, I left and I was bummed. Yeah, I definitely. Was, I was really. so people like that. Like there, there's so many. Like the whole like it filled the stadium. The TBM, the whole TBN network. It, there's a, a big building down here on uh, close to us on the uh, 405. Like that. Like all of those people on the TBN network are pieces of shit. Like they're taking money and request like saying if you send money is that absolutely true yes they are they're absolute pieces of shit i don't know if i've ever heard you say shit on this podcast we've been doing this for like a decade <laughs> or something um that they're that they're, they're, they constantly it's it's not just like a one time thing. they're constantly trying to get people right. and they know that a lot of people that listen are older people that don't have a lot of money and these older people give them give them their like their social security checks because sure. they because they're telling them that they will be blessed by God if they if they donate. And that that is like the worst almost yeah, almost the worst praying on the, the worst. Week. Yeah. yeah. Like that ah, man. People want they want to believe they want to believe in the good. They want to believe that they're with others and they want to have hope in something and and so they'll I mean we just as people in general will glom onto something. And if others are in it, then it motivates us to go even deeper into it and try and bring others into it. And it's just how the sheep herd works. And there's no getting, yeah. it, that won't go away. And the, the sheep metaphor is really good because most Christians and most Christians don't know the Bible at all. They, they know like the verses that they memorize and then you have people speaking confidently about the Bible and connecting verses in such a way. It's like, oh, well, I, I recognize that language. Like I, and right. I believe in these guys. And so they must be right. 
Like, there's not right. any gray area. I'm going to generalize because I'm the generalizer. <laughs> <laughs> well, True. And, and, yeah. Also, it, I'm correct in this <laughs> sense. Well, yeah. And, and that's why Jesus is the good shepherd. So he's leading, leading the sheep in, in, a, in, the, in the good direction, in the way. And, and so you, you have to distinguish between the, a good way or the good way and a bad way. And you should, people should be skeptical about almost everything, but we're not, we, we, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why people want to trust other people. It's like, that's stupid. Don't trust anybody. It doesn't mean you don't listen or you don't. Okay. I kind of, I like that point. It's like, it's listening while also, okay, let me question that and think, think deeply about these things. Jeff, when you first started coming to church, I think I remember you telling me a few times like it, that, that, uh, it was a little reluctant at first, right? Absolutely. And what was like, what was that experience like the first, as you're like first going first attending you're, you may be having like high skepticism, like Scott is describing. Uh, Yeah, I was, uh, I was probably very vulnerable in going. So I don't know if, okay, actually going back to when, uh, before I became a believer and I was going with my wife to church with some friends and it was out in uh, a city we used to live in. It was a Chino big, Hills, a Corona. It was a big <laughs> church. And, um, Chapel, Chino and Hills. yeah, then I was like, yep, I'm just along for the ride. And these people are crazy. Like, what are they doing? Why are they holding their hands up? Why are they standing? Why are they singing? Like, this is, and I, I you know, reluctant, reluctant, that. definitely. And then, as my father has shown up to our church, he, he's like, oh, I know there's going to be a time when they start asking for money. That's just what I'm waiting for. I know they're going to do that. And it's like, wait, okay. And? Get like, those hundreds ready. If you go to McDonald's, guess what? They're going to start asking for your money too if you want a, want a hamburger or something. And, but it's like that mindset. So yeah, I was definitely reluctant um, when I would first go to church. and that And this is... This is before uh, the church that I go to now. And then was there a point in your life too where you felt like total dependence on God and that it manifested in the church itself where all of a sudden you're setting aside any of that previous reluctance or criticism and you're just like, but this is just, this is what I need. And so I, I need to take this in 150%. This is why you stick around for an hour and a half of this podcast. Go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, yes. Not 150%, but 100%. That's uh, it? Wow. Wow. I'm disappointed. Yeah. Jeff, why would you not give God 150%? <laughs> why, so yeah. why would you be re- holding your extra plus 50% from God? <laughs> Uh, That's for the stock market. God's got to, God's got to carry that. I'm not. Yeah, I'm on margin with God. Give him seven hundred and seventy-seven percent. Yeah. Was was there? <laughs> we totally lost. But there was was there a, a moment where you you described an earlier point where you were reluctant and and it's it, you're you're feeling separated from any activity that's happening within the church. Maybe it's safe to say you, you would show up and feel like I'm, I am not a part of this. I'm a, I'm a reluctant participant. And then there's fast forward and there's a later part of your life where you are no longer 
uh, a reluctant participant, as you would say, you're all in. Sure. And what is, and when you're in the all in mode, what is your mindset? Um, how can I serve people? Uh, yeah, this is not about me, you know, constantly asking or constantly listening. Uh, you know, is there, is there something I can be doing for others or my family or friends, or can I connect with people like these are, these are God's people. And so it's, totally different mindset, totally different mindset and thinking in that if I were to step out of that, which is very difficult step out of that would be just a dry world. Like there's nothing to grab. There's nothing to just hold on to for even hope, but being in, in, the environment of, uh, as you know, church and, uh, belief and feeling like, you know, there's something to live for here, then it's a totally different perspective. And do you feel like at any point in time, I mean, it's maybe I shouldn't use the term all in, but is there, it was, is there any part of you in the middle of that? That's like checking yourself going like, wait, is this right? Should I be doing this? I mean, I, do I really believe this? Am I in the right place? What's funny is the more I the more I learned about church, the more jaded I became, and I was so I was pure entering. Mm. I was pure entering, um, pure in that this is just this is heaven on earth, and if I just serve, then I, I there's nothing that can't can't happen. There's great potential here. God has set things up um, to, if you just step into it, like great things will happen. And that might be challenges that you overcome or challenges that you, you know, get knocked down, but still you're like, you know, I'm alive. Now, as I learn more, as I learn more about the church and how church functions and being a part of the board of the church and the business of the church, I all of a sudden almost is almost like uh, if the Holy Spirit was a balloon, it was like there was little pricks of pins just kind of penetrating the balloon and letting a little air out and making me question like, why, what are we doing? Maybe the pin was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, I say with a straight face. That's deep. In the, in the no, balloon, seriously. balloon church. <laughs> we're painting a picture with our tongues people yeah and it seemed that the the life i was living before was felt like the entire like just this is the holy spirit like everything is everything is game and it's and it can be tackled in any way we can overcome all of this um and learning more i'm like uh I, so that was I like, feel like honey- I'm, I feel like I'm getting I feel like I'm being pulled back to the dry part of the world and being a part of the inner workings of the church I'm like I don't like this. There's probably some piece of that like what you described reminded me of Jesus. I always I always struggled with that statement where he's he's encouraging us to have childlike faith, like faith like a child. 
And usually it's because, well, what do you not want me to like go deeper and understand this stuff and like deconstruct it and make, and make sure that I like deeply have rooted reasons for the, for why I believe what I believe. But there is another part of it, which is that's not always helpful. And sometimes there are simple answers to complex questions. And sometimes we can, I believe I caveated for that. We can get lost we can get lost in the complexity and lose ourselves in doubt and reluctance and it's distracting. And when you're a kid, you don't, (laughs) you don't know enough. You kind of react and respond to things and just go, yes, this looks like a good thing. I'm going to gravitate towards the good thing. This seems like a good person. My dad and my mom are really good to me. I love them. Uh, My, can I piggyback on that? Like, um, my my version of that currently is because I'm I I want that childlike faith and I think it's like um for me it's like no matter what questions bring up and there's unlimited questions and I like going down all the rabbit holes faith wise and Bible wise but it's just rediscovering that I am loved mm. and I I don't need the answers like when you're a kid and you have good parents who want the best for you and they're who are like doing their best and getting most things right. It's perfect for a kid. Cause you don't know anything else. You just know I belong here. I can play. And so that's my version of childlike faith that I, that I try to keep mm-hmm. one foot in that door of like, it's okay. You don't, you can explore and not need to know all the answers because you are loved and yeah, it's okay. And, yeah. it's, I, and I can't explain it. I, I'm back to your question, Andy. I, I think I, I think I did. I definitely started questioning, mm-hmm. and it, I'm like, it feels like the church is different from God. Like the what I, what I joined in this. Did symb- you confuse the two at first? Do you think what I, what I, what I joined in this yeah. symbiotic, not even symbiotic. It's not like God's God's God. And I'm just like following Christ. And that's, that's that the church complicates things and people that, and people complicate. Things. Well, the church are the people. The yeah. church is people. And, and, that yeah. just having people speak confidently like Jack Hibbs or Charlie Kirk, but people that I was communicating with within the church, they spoke and there was a few people that spoke in such a confident way where everything they said, the Holy spirit for me was like, no, 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 we cannot go in that direction. But be, I, I have serious regret in sitting back and doing absolutely nothing and saying nothing because I I'm like, well, I've their feelings. They're going to be hurt. I'm going to say something and go against them and they're a respected person and Mm. they have history and you know, they're (laughs) there's friendships with, you know, people who are the pastor and that gets messy. Good. And yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like that, that would be hurtful. But in that, I'm like, it kind of started driving a wedge between my my relationship with Christ and mm. and and it became a little gray to where 
you know, it was kind of the beginnings of, man, I'm questioning everything. I don't think, I don't think the church has God's interest mm. all the time. And that is not a good thing. Not all the time. That's probably a fair statement. It's so complicated. Like all the data from the psychological literature is on average, religious people, no matter the religion are, are healthier and happier. And, but when it goes wrong and you're connected to a religion where it's like, it's God, we're talking about the eternal, right. All powerful, whether it's Christian or whatever, when that goes wrong, when you are wronged by people that are connected to that, it goes really wrong. So it's super complicated. It's, it's not a, the church is, I, I'm, I'm still part of some, I'm barely on social media, but I still tap in every once in a while. And there are people out there that are wrong by the church where it's like the church is only a source of evil and negativity. And it's like, that's objectively not true. Even people that are super conservative Whatever your version of Christianity or religion that is not where you're at, that you think is wrong, there are people that hold those views that are good people, that are doing good things, that are making the world a better place on average. But it just, it gets complicated. Um, I did, I really, I really love that. Thank you, Andy, for taking us down that and, and getting Jeff involved personally. It's good. And Jeff rich. took us down that. Thank you, Jeff. Um, but I, part of me is like, okay, we're past the clip. Is there a little nugget you want to share? But there is a little piece. There's a punchline. Okay, let's do it. From that clip, that the last clip where Punch me. the master of eschatology and Jeff, you might or Scott, you might uh, need that verse we were yep. talking about. Yep, just shake a little splash. I'm just shaking his glass around, being like, "What should I get? What should you get? What could I get in my glass?" Oh, Andy is fully off the wagon. I know, I know. Well, yeah, it's not even a little wagon. Yeah, yeah, I'll take some of that. Abnormal. Abby, someone. Abby normal. Abby normal. Boss pour. This is. I do like a boss pour. Boss mode. I'm gonna go boss mode right now. So this is the same clip where he was buttering Jack Hibbs up as a master of eschatology or having him mastered. And that is a grave disservice to the scriptures, to God, and to his plan. It is the opposite of what you should be telling. If you don't remember, he doesn't want Christians to check out just because Jesus is coming back right now. Oh yeah, don't check out. Her congregation. You see... There And I, I get videos sent all the time of people, of biblical prophecy, and they're similar to what Jack is saying. But the end message is, hey, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you should do. Now, it might be true there's nothing you could do. That actually might be true. But there's nothing you should do. And they use eschatology as an excuse for their inaction. That's right. When actually it is 180 right. degrees the opposite. That's when right. if you see That's things right. yes. that show the days of Noah, and we could tell you what that means if you go through Genesis 6 very clearly. In the days of Noah, where the people left behind were the people that were alive, but I'll leave that alone. Genesis 6 and 7, then it should be actually an accelerant 
on your actions. Exactly you should correct. be doing more. You should be building more things. You should be trying to start families. You should be trying to That's help right. your community. Got that verse what ready? do you want to be caught doing when Jesus returns? Running for the hills or leaning in and occupying till he comes? So to answer. I want to get caught okay, making, yeah, so making now families. I, now I know why he's like, yeah, running for the hills. Yeah. Well, Jesus caught me make, <laughs> making a family. Jesus actually told people to run for the hills. <laughs> right, he did. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, what is that? What is that yeah, verse? Yeah. So this is so this is Matthew, uh, Matthew twenty four, uh, verse fifteen and on. So okay. So therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which is spoken of through Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains or the hills. Um. Whoever is on the housetops must, must not go down and get the things out that are in the house. Right. Right. So, yeah. So. Don't get out of there. <laughs> run for the hills. Wait, no, don't run for the hills. The caveat being the abomination <laughs> of desolation. Has that actually happened? But, right. But regardless, I thought it was delicious. No, it is. A little is, bit delicious. That is a good. That the masters of eschatology. <laughs> right. Don't no, run for the hills. That's a good point. I, I, I like that observation. And there's an additional observation, which I, I think I talked about earlier, is where I disagree with their their idea of imminence, um, is because because in this particular verse it says when you see the abomination of desolation, so that's a that's a a um, an, a, a, a trigger, a, yeah, a prophecy, prophetic so, triggers. So some event has to happen before Jesus returns. So I'd be like, well, okay, you can't, yeah, you. And Zach, I think you're right. You you can't have it both ways. Um, now to wait, can we clip that too? <laughs> um, we don't clip shit. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> Andy would have a million drops. Yeah, I got no drops. I got but, no drops. But in this, um, I think I will I will defend Charlie Kirk here a little bit, and and say he was speaking g- generically and not necessarily. Uh, biblical prophetically. Hey, don't get in the way of my punchline. <laughs> I know you're right, but <laughs> but but <laughs> I do my point. But I do agree. I do agree with you, Zach. That that um, yeah, we we got to be consistent about uh, uh, the prophetic events that we're seeing are are coming. And if we're gonna we're gonna pick one and then discount the other, that that's not a good hermeneutic. And without debating. The the eschatological eschatological yeah uh, issue when Jesus is talking about it there there's really interesting ways to interpret that that don't involve our future that Jesus was talking about the here and now for him and them there that that are worth exploring if if you're wondering like they them there they're them there <laughs> Z's it there uh, what 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 well yes yes and I just said without debating yes yes and it was future to to when Jesus was speaking it. Yeah. Was there more yeah. of that? Uh, I mean, I mean no. it's just part of the whole episode. Like, to the question, Jack, which is how do I see it? I'm not sure in the immediate. I'm really not. And I am not a pessimist, nor am I an optimist. And I'm very careful the way I answer this because people ask me for predictions all the time. And I think predictions can be largely unhelpful. All right. Because especially in this season, mm-hmm. I'm more interested in what are you actively doing 
for God and for Jesus to rebuke evil and to advance good on earth. That is a much now. I that, that doesn't feel controversial. This is where, I agree with that. I and I will say the same thing. Like this is where like there are things in here I I agree with. We just if it involves like you must vote for a Democrat or Republican, I'm going to be like, well, let's talk about that because I I don't see it that way. And so that's that's where the rub is. Like I agree with the big picture boilerplate statement but I know what they mean by it. That plus Andy going to Benny Hinn, there, he probably said words that Andy agreed with yeah. while he was there, but yeah. he was just disturbed by the overall, it's, it's the, the stu- 17 uh, calls for uh, donations. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. And they, they say, the I'm things, under, I'm underestimating. They say the things that get into your ear that you agree with. They yeah. know the audience they are speaking to. And that's how they get the buy-in. And so... Yeah, they get the hype train going. And so it's a pep rally. So Hibbs, I wish he would just be a political operative or a pastor. Okay, so so you said he, that earlier. He, he, thinks, he, thinks by, he thinks he's being the best pastor, the best version of a pastor that he can be. I don't doubt that. Like, I don't doubt... I don't that's doubt... That's his truth. Yeah, it's his truth. <laughs> what was that? For better what, words, what was that yes. path, what was the Matthew passage? Uh, 24 verse 15 and on. Thanks. And I also want to give credit. Like it's, it was a weird confluence of events where two speakers at once is weird. Yeah. But, but uh, me digging into Hibs and then getting back into drunk ex pastors and turns out they've been doing this segment called pastor Jack's off. Which I said in the beginning, I gave them credit. I want to make sure that you you watch religiously. No, 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 no. Do you want? Do you want to watch me watch it? <laughs> Scott reacts to Zach watching Jack. Jack, pastors, Jack whatever. So Zach reacting to the drunk ex pastors reacting to Jack Hibbs. <laughs> and for the record, like deconstructing people's comments from afar, it's the easiest thing yeah, to do. Yeah. Like no matter where you're at, like it's it's easy, but. It can serve a purpose. I don't mind when it, we, we give some context and we don't put words in their mouth. Jeff, you had something? Uh, All yeah, right. That back is to past. Zach. That is past. Well, well, I'm, I did have, it's funny. Oh, I, I do know, uh, Zach, you have a, you have a foundation in terms of um, either be a, a pastor or a politician. It's built on sand, according yeah, to Scott. Yeah, that's what I was. And, yeah. and, and that, that is something that you're like, I don't want to hear politics in like a message at my church. No, it it's, um, if it was like, Hey, we need to get out there and vote red, you know, at a tree, you'd be like, okay. Yeah. Because generally that when you're doing that, you're simplifying it to the point where you're, you're discounting the conversation of an issue. It's right. To be a Christian, you're you're Republican, and there's no question. Yeah, regardless of what anybody you know, politician believes, even if it goes, you forget digging. Just you need to vote this way, and you're. I would guess that you're like, hey, either be this or that. But to play both is a difficult. It's it a little sticky. Yeah, it's a difficult play. Well, and that and that was that was what I was trying to ask. Is like, why Zach? Why why are you? almost demanding but let's back that off a little bit 
um, you're suggesting that they shouldn't be either pastor or political activist. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that that I'm not, I, I'm not convinced that those two things are mutually exclusive, that if you are a pastor and you want to see change in the country that you can have influence in, why, why is that a bad thing? I think it's a great question. Maybe Scott. is it, is it, uh, maybe those aren't the same things though. Like a politician and someone who wants to see change in their well, country. Well, that's a po- political activist. Well, that's what say. I was, oh, the activist yeah. part, maybe where the rub is. It's like um, what you believe about reality will affect your politics, whether you're a Christian, atheist, like Buddhist, pick your poison. It's like it's the lens you look, see the world through. Your worldview is going to affect how you engage politically. So vote, vote how you feel you, you should vote be engaged, but it's the fundamentalism of it that, uh, that drives me nuts because there's most of these issues are more complicated than red and blue. Well, we probably need to be careful that like using loaded terms, like political activists is something that like lodges in people's brains. And there's that, there's a very specific type of person. But if you said you want to be someone who's, who actively, makes change for good in the world, then that becomes a little less controversial and it's not so such a like. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so like if Jack Hibbs is like, he, he obviously he's there for religious purposes and he's also wanting to influence people based upon those religious, yeah, those religious beliefs to create change in the at a, at a political level, because we have that opportunity as Americans, so I, I just don't, I don't see why we would. I vote. I know, I know, but but I, I just don't see it as a problem to to um, say you you no, it's either religious re- religious uh, influencer or political in- influencer. I, I don't see a problem with that. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna mention uh, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. as a uh, third. I'm glad. <laughs> no, nah, just the the third. I was getting mixed up with his dad. The the uh, I think that's maybe is he he's not a politician, and and if he goes in as a political figure, he I feel like even he loses his his activism as a like a civil rights leader it just you you i think you can only play one really well and if you start to dip your toe into the other side you end up losing the impact that you you have so i i mean and i i am certainly not equating uh hibs or or actually uh charlie kirk um to martin luther king but the you know I, I, I really do <laughs> i really do think you can't play both both sides of that coin the more i think about this i do think he was a political activist though he, yeah definitely he he's a polit- he's a political af- activist but certainly not a politician yeah not a politician and and 
And so there, there was great power in, in that moment in for that person yeah. in that circumstance, in that time of our country, um, which I don't think will, I mean, I won't want to say ever, but it would be very challenging for that to ever happen again, where you have someone who can, who is preacher and a great orator and a political going pushing politics, but has no really motivation in politics. He wants. But we don't. I don't know, man. We, we Alex, know Alex Epstein saying uh, AOC's got a big booty. Yes. <laughs> no, no, but okay, it feels but, like that's the modern day Martin Luther King. Okay, we're off the rails. Yeah, no, no, no. So I, same I would, thing, right? We're off the rails. I, I would say that Mark. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure that we can separate Martin Luther King Jr. III's, um, <laughs> um, oh, um, man. his his political activism. I I don't. I'm not sure that we can separate that from. I'm pol- sorry, I got us on this path. Uh, political. It's am- okay. I, I'm not sure we can separate his political activism from his political ambition, simply because he he was murdered at, at a fairly early stage. Um, and, and so he, he might've had, I did some study. I studied him in college. I don't think he was ever, uh, advocating to take a political Mm -mm. position. However, he was advocating for, um, his, it was political activism. He was, he was advocating for political change in the ways of like legislation. Those were the things that he was looking for. So that's why I think it's, it's not. Um, it's not inaccurate to say he was a political activist, and he would probably say that too. No, I no, no I agree, and that's what I'm saying. Like, but not what, a politician because he was he wasn't running for office. I, at, well, I'm, that, my my point is at that time he wasn't necessarily running for office, but we don't know that that wasn't part of his ambition. He might have wanted to be a dragon too. We don't know about that, <laughs> right, right? But but it's it's not far fetched. All to, things are possible through God. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it's what I'm saying is though is, is that it's it's not far. I'm just saying that it's not so easy to separate uh, political act, political activism from ambitions of political office. And he was also a religious leader because a which lot you can't of, really separate, right? Because a lot of his, his activism had, or his, I guess you could say, his influence had a foundation in the church. And, and his activism was, came yeah. out of what he believed yes. that God right. wanted, right. which I am not arguing against at all. Like, no, I was, I was just trying to clarify. Clarify. That's good. That yeah. was very close to the, uh, the drop. drop yeah. I don't know if there's any evidence that ever indicated that he wanted to run for office for anything, or that was any of his yeah. aspirations. Cause I don't know if it, I think it matters. It's not, well for this conversation, but that I, was the point that he was making. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I would just, I just say he, like, uh, oh, just just because he, I'm only saying that because he was assassinated, and so By it, the it, state. Did, it didn't come, which probably was the CIA. Yes, um, full circle. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm only I'm only saying that because there are a lot of people like like L. Sharpton, for example, and and not just because he's black. I was I'm, trying to remember I, his I'm name. Not, not just because he's black, but I'm yeah. saying like L. Sharpton. Had a did a lot of things. Scott has many black friends. Audience, don't worry about it. <laughs> so I can't be racist at all ever. Uh, I'm just saying that L. Sharpton did a lot of things before he ran for president. 
and I'm pretty sure Al Sharpton ran for president. I, I'm just, I'm so yeah, yeah, okay. I, I, and I and I'm okay. not, I'm not making, come on, come I'm not, on, maybe, maybe I don't know. This is this is I'm, the I'm kind not, of yeah. I'm okay. not, no, I'm not, I'm not even trying. It. I'm not maybe. even trying to make some like radical claim. No, it's not I'm even just that. saying. We're just, like, it's we're, unknowable. We've, now we're, we've guessing. For, we're just, I, we've I forked off of the conversation. I agree. I agree. It's unknoble. I'm just saying. You're, you're, I'm just saying that it's not completely you agree unreasonable. With your earlier, conversation. I heard he was into dragons. <laughs> <laughs> I don't dungeons there's, there's and dragons. I, Andy, Dungeon. your friend, man, who told you. <laughs> so a band played in the gym when, we were, when Lisa and I were working out recently. But the hell? And I was able to say, Imagine Dragons didn't exist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Imagine dragons. dragons didn't exist. Um, yeah, it, Scott, I, I don't disagree with you. There's there's connections. It's Life is complicated. How about that? Like everything Simple answer is very complicated. Informs. It's not uncommon for people to want to invoke political change and never engage in political office. Yeah, for their I mean, entire life. I was, I, and I wasn't even. Uh, yeah, I'm not even trying to say. Oh, he was absolutely. He he did that for political purposes. Gotcha. I'm, I'm not. I'm I not you. saying that. I'm just saying you can't necessarily separate the two. So what? As we're landing, and you this can thing, sometimes. <laughs> it's, go, you you can go for it. Is this only, hey, Zach, yeah. is this only in America where the the idea of like the separation of church and state uh, is, is that? Is that bleeding through our, our country there's everywhere else in the world? Like Middle East? It's like, no, politics and religion are tied together. Closely. I don't think Canada. Closely. Don't think in Mexico. I think it's, there's like, yeah, it's a cultural thing, but I. Th- can you not, can you. What be about in Milwaukee? You, the reason I'm wearing. <laughs> the state, the 51st state of Milwaukee. <laughs> Milwaukee. Dude, it was the 37th. Ask Scott. Well, according to Obama, it'd be the fifty second. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, but we're not being political here in this podcast, Scott. <laughs> um, the uh, the connection, the separation of church and state, and we need to land this thing. I, I know. No, it's landing. I mean, the, uh, the trays have been a, put up. The, that's a can, why, the that's seat a can backs of worms, are, are why in the upright I position. Get, why I get triggered by this type of thing. The the term Christian nationalist is used. The le- people on the left generally will use it as a derogatory statement. I'm not sure that Hibbs would would disregard that, and I and I don't want to like say whether it's right or wrong. I think he would probably accept that moniker. Like I'm a Christian nationalist, and the reason these types of things are a little bit triggering to me is that if you ha- if you're engaged with using the state to achieve your ends religiously or politically, whatever that is. It's being backed by the power of justified violence through state enforcement of laws. And that gets really weird because you might be, you might get Ron DeSantis in or Trump in or whoever, or, or your next Democrat, Gavin Newsom. He's a glorious example of political philosophy. Sniper being sarcastic. First female president, Rhonda Santis. <laughs> <laughs> but whoever you get in, like, Pretend they achieve your goals and they enfor- they get laws in place that make you happy religiously. Congratulations. The power of the state has that power now. And so it's going to flip back to somebody else who can use guns to enforce those laws that go the wrong way. So political engagement for Christians, I think, has to be careful and subversive. And that's what I believe Jesus did in his day 
And there's well, plenty of I, examples. I, 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 I get that. I get that. It's just, it's just when we're talking about laws that are implemented by a, any country, whether it's the United States or some other country, is, it's as, as believers in Christ, if you're living in that country, and if you have the opportunity to influence the laws of that country, should you do that? And, and Hence my caveat, carefully. Okay, okay, but yeah, care, carefully. But but how do you? So okay, but he doesn't he, like your word, Zach. But but you in no. What, what I'm saying is that it, it's simplistic to say carefully, but it's more complex to go. Um, hey, to, Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> yeah, it, but it's but it's more complex to say. I don't know about that guy. To say, hey, um, we have these laws that that have been legally codified. Okay. How do we, how do we apply these laws to everyone that the state encounters? Sometimes those are going, sometimes there's going to going to be violence because of various reasons. So, so it, so I guess the question would be if you're advocating for no violence, never, ever. So, so then once someone disagree and and once an individual disagrees with those laws then you go oh the state can't do any violence in order to implement the laws no no that have I'm, been, I'm saying the state has a monopoly on violence and will I, use it to enforce laws I, I know but okay but but once once a law is passed are you like someone disagrees with that law and they violate that law so then the, are you saying the state should never ever use violence to implement no, you're that making law? my point if you're a Christian and you want to get Christians in office to pass laws, congratulations. You just set precedent that people that might get other people in office can office can use the state to enforce laws that are different that I, you don't like. Okay, no, the so, state will use violence to enforce laws. Okay, That's no, definitionally okay, what the so, case is. So, so that would be a question is Which is why I'm a directional anarchist. I know. So but that'd be a question. Are 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 you advocating for the idea that the state can never use violence to enforce no. A, I'm any saying law. the state does that. That's definitely what I, it I, does. I know, I know but I'm, what I'm asking you though, I'm not saying it can never do that. It will do that. No, 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 no. Hold on. Your your idea of the state. No, but but Zach, but what is a bill? <laughs> a bill. <laughs> no, but Zach, your idea of the state. Um, if if you if you can wave a magic that was Bill Cosby by the way if you can wave a magic wand and <laughs> so so then you can you can regulate the state are you would are you saying that the state then under your new powers yep. cannot never ever use violence to implement a law of the state I don't think that's possible what I, what, do you, what do you mean. He doesn't if think it's possible. Is, that sounds state, like a no. If there is a state that cannot, that has to enforce laws. What about Milwaukee? It will use violence. Okay, so so your ideal. Yes, thank you, Andy. The great protest <laughs> of 1984. Everyone in Milwaukee. knows it. We've all learned it in school. Know, but, but Zach, we can all reference it. Know, but Zach, but there's Zach, a beer shortage. But Zach, <laughs> but Zach, your ideal of the state. You have you have dict- dictatorial control of this of dict. what the state is. No state. <laughs> Of what the, that's right. Uh, that's, what I, that's what I'm asking. No I mean, that's that's kind of what I'm getting <laughs> nice. at is that is that um, um, for any law to be enforced, 
that 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 kind of infers that there are consequences for those who, those who violate or implies that those who violate that that law that something something is going to happen. I feel like I'm back in my poli sci class in El, uh, Long Beach it, City. Yeah. And, and so I'm just I'm just trying to understand what you're saying by if if Christians if Christians advocate for something that the government does and if that something leads to violence in any way then you would be opposed to that but then but then you would then then it seems like if so, that's the case then you have to advocate for no laws at all because the state cannot enforce those at all no the state enforces laws i'll go back to our sports reference if you're playing quarterback you should be really careful how you play quarterback i i agree joe all burrow right. yeah i'm looking at you joe burrow all right, I, I, I like how, but you didn't answer the question, love, Zach. But that's fine. I think I, I did. Like, you know, no, you didn't. I like no. how my wife put it in terms of laws and rules. She's like, laws and rules are not going to stop anybody from doing what they want to do. So that's not true, Tanya. You're wrong. Uh, laws and rules stop a lot of people from doing a lot of things. Sometimes, uh, sometimes, yeah, there are people that are going to violate those laws, but not every time. But what should we do about people who violate those, violate those laws? Should we ever pursue them? If I reclaim caught, my time, should should they, <laughs> we should set them on fire? Yeah. Should, my distinguished <laughs> gentleman from Wyoming, yeah, should should from Milwaukee, should we not, <laughs> the state we, of Milwaukee? Should we not pursue them because the possible outcome is violence? I mean, like that that would be a crazy way to think about the world. I'm sorry, I, I think I might. Did you say you were part anarchist? Yeah. Directional. I think I might be part directional anarchist. <laughs> That's just directional stupid. because I like just whatever. I don't even know what gives that people means, control. But you agree with it as long as you disagree with me. Okay, cool. No, wow, not at all. Man. Before Andy falls asleep and before we end the show, what are you considering? Uh, rules. Uh, I don't like rules. Okay, don't follow them. I don't. see what happens. Okay, sure. I've seen him drive. <laughs> yeah that 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 that's so fun to say it's so like so like it's uh, not fun to say community actually, community driven but if someone tries to break into right, your house that's exactly all the of a sudden sheep, there's a rule the if sheep so, if someone, sheep if someone created, breaks into your house the sheep somebody somebody needed a little power the sheep followed and everybody went with it and so humans created certain things and I'm like why are we following this yeah so anyway so, so someone, someone is playing if someone breaks into your house Will there be rules or no? Scott, nobody has said there's no rules. He and just said that. Hey, Jeff just said that. No, he doesn't like rules. Okay. Doesn't mean there's not any good rules. Okay, well, he has, so he can respond or so, not. I'm okay yeah. with that. Hey, rules I think Scott. everyone should think the majesty and the magic of tiny Andy McCraw and his beautiful compression that he's put on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> For uh, a couple of different minutes in this episode, where it's not blowing, your it's ear dynamic. Holes out. There's been it's been dynamic, which is great. It but gives me freedom. There's no up. rules. I cranked you up a little more. So, Scott, some rules. What are we consuming? Think about this as I say this in answer to your question, which is not going to satisfy you. <laughs> Ron DeSantis has made some new laws. She's a wonderful woman. Some of the woke stuff. <laughs> She's incredible. She's powerful. She's a leader. He's powerful. Sounds like a hairdresser. <laughs> yeah, I went down to see Rhonda the other day. She got me that bob and that weave. Bobbing I, and weaving. The Santa's salon is I the best. I need a bob. bob and a weave. 
or a weave. I don't know if it's Bob or I, I'm probably a Bob. It's or a Tyson a weave. move. Yeah, my hair is a little unkempt, and I need. I've never got a haircut. Could be and bobbing, waving. I'm still a Floby guy, so ah, <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. Floby forever. Ron DeSantis making some laws against the woke stuff. Forget about how you feel about that. It's going to have consequences for whoever's in control of that state later on, because it's affecting private individuals, private companies on how they can do certain things in a way that might backfire, i.e. the Democrats made it so you couldn't filibuster, filibuster, and it, it burned them when Trump was able to squirt through a bunch of judges. I don't know why I use squirt there, but that's... Jesus. That's really Those weird. Those are them squirting judges. Amy Cody Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Kavanaugh. I don't know what that means. Who was the other one? Uh, there's three Barrett Kavanaugh. It might have been uh, Peter Tubers. <laughs> you, you, Peter, you're, you're squirting like you have a little Peter, yogurt. Peter Tubers. Tuber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got a little raspberry rogurt on me. Yeah, Rogert. President Trump with a, like a tube Rogert. of gogurt filled with uh, <laughs> filled with Supreme Court justices. <laughs> All right, consumption. <laughs> <coughs> Who's hey ready? guys, how was vengeance? Who's ready for what they're consuming? I am. I'm ready. Okay, Andy. The Bible. What? <laughs> it's true though. I no, it's not true. Zach says it's not true. <laughs> oh my god! That's right, Scott. That was a great comment. Uh, wait a second. What is true is that what I, we're consuming is supposed to not have a discussion. What I what I am consuming. It is true that it's the Bible. I have. For the past week, every day when I drive into the office, I've been listening to, uh, I listened through all of Mark and most of Luke. The first gospel, Mark. Yep. Um, and Luke is a plagiarist. <laughs> Shut up, Scott. And I, yeah, and that's been, that's been really good. And the first, this is typical of me, like the first few days, I'm very energetic and like into it and focused. And as the week will progress and like as work progresses, my mind will start to wander. So like by when Friday rolled around, I was like catching myself and like steering, like steering my thoughts back and nope, listen, nope, listen. But um, overall it was good. And what I realized was like, I couldn't point to a recent, a recent time in the last few years where I'd sat and just like gone through front to back full gospel, like any full book of the Bible actually just like, just go straight through. And a couple of cool things that came out were uh, specifically, I remember I always used to, I always used to cringe a little bit on that. The, the verse where uh, they talk about Jesus mother and his brothers are outside and someone comes and is like, Hey, your mother's a mother and brothers are outside. And Jesus response is, <clears throat> who are my mother and my brothers? Who is God's children? Who is God's children? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, That's what I say. He's like, these are my mother and my brothers and my sister. Anyone who does, and and I remember forever. Who I used, is God's children? I always <laughs> used to read that like in a like it was it got Jesus' response was more sassy in my mind, like kind of snarky. Yeah, like but um, but when I for some reason when I read it when I heard it this this last time I was like, oh wait a minute, no, his his approach is different. He's not. I imagined him not coming in like 
being snarky like that. It is. Yes, of course. He's not going to, it's not in Jesus character to talk crap about his family. But what he's trying to do is he's trying to like explain like, no, it's, it's more than that. I want you to know that whoever is doing God's will, these people are, these are also your mother and your brother and your sister. This is your family. Um, And so his, it was like a yes. And that he was trying to do not a like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can leave them out there. I've got my uh, other real mother, brother, sisters in here. I do like that. In addition, there's also a, uh, a little anti new, not anti nuclear family, but Jesus is like, you might have to leave your family. I'm not disagreeing with it, you. He doesn't say his wife though. He says your mother or brothers. He doesn't say leave your wife. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but don't be unequally yoked. I know. Yo. But, but even then, yeah, you got to work out both sides, <laughs> but even, even then, the left and the right, even then there's a prohibition against leaving your unbelieving spouse. Yeah. And the way you can do that is different depending on which gospel you read, but we'll get to that later. Well, it's in Paul. Dead it's in Paul, dead. so it's not. Gospel. But also, it's, the gospel's divorce. It's in Paul. That's what he said. In Paul. Look at up. Paul Jeff. 17. Paul 17. You need more time? You got something. What's up? What's up? We're doing a podcast. You know, we're podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is worried. Jeff is worried. Is. Sorry. headphones like Mickey my, Mouse my, right now <laughs> on the top of his my head. Wife, my wife, uh, she sent me something. She's like, this is hilarious. You got to listen to it. So uh, sorry. Was, Ending the podcast. Well, I kind of fell off. Back. I'm plan. glad you're here. <laughs> so, hey, Mickey. I, hey, tell us what it is. Uh, consuming. What are you consuming? Um, nothing. Nothingness. That's good. That's good. I Nihilism. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. We need to dip into our toes into that. We should. We, we believe should. in nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Peter Rollins has atheism for Lent, and that's the point. It's like embrace the the best critiques of your faith and come out the other side stronger. Flea well, was consuming something. Flea from oh, the Red Hot right. Chili Peppers was a nihilist in uh, the Big Lebowski. Oh my god, they were terrible nihilists, though. <laughs> we believe in nothing except the thing they were doing. Yeah, yeah. Like, which is kind of the critique. Against- great movie. A specific form of anarchy, but anyway, go Jeff. No, I'm really, Thanks, I'm Scott. consuming nothing. It's blah. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm, what is blah? It's just, what's it? You know, I'm, I'm just, that feels like code for porn. You know, <laughs> dead, you know, just, guys, let's pray for Jeff's secret sin. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, what? I just piggybacking off. I'm yes. Yeah. Ending. Andy. Oh, there you go. Yes. Andy. I like it. That's new. Let's get a drop. Yes, and ding. <laughs> that wasn't clean. Let's do that until we get it right. Never Scott, mind. what are you consuming? Hey, ding, ding. Um, I'm wait. I'm waiting for the new episode of 1923 to drop, which mm. which is a bummer. Um, no, but Andy, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're um, uh, consuming the Bible on your way to work. I. A confession time. He approves. Uh, confession time. I'm. I'm. Sh- I struggle to read the Bible on a daily basis. Uh, Me too, man. Of the Holy Spirit. Yes, it is. Um. So yeah, I just need to. I need to try to get back on that. And um, because definitely reading, reading a whole book or gospel is beneficial. And then especially like, yeah, like if you have a specific idea in mind. It's like, hey, 
read a gospel with and and then look for these specific yeah. aspects and like that'll that'll help so much it, it's helped me so much like like looking at what like okay did did Jesus talk about this specific subject okay well let me let me read a gospel just looking for this subject and then you and then you can go and mark down um write down hey okay what verses does Jesus talk about this specific subject yeah whether it's belief faith forgiveness um whatever else it's like yeah like you should do that especially before you come to conclusions about what what did Jesus say it's like yeah you should you should read all the gospels and looking for a, a subject before mm, hermeneutics <laughs> yeah yeah because because how are you supposed to inform your, how, how how are you supposed to claim to have an informed idea about something if you haven't really investigated or it be a master of it through I, yeah dude. yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, or eschatology. Yeah, read read through the gospels and and, and look specifically for eschatological ideas like that. that I feel like you're you teaching lot. me now. I feel like I'm being. I was taught. I was actually talking more to Zach, but I feel like you're teaching so, Zach okay. now. Be taught. I wasn't listening. What are you're waiting for? To, but what are you doing while you're waiting for 1923? I'm looking at doom and gloom stuff and <laughs> end of end of. Uh, I was so worried about what you were gonna say. <laughs> and that's a given. Oh like, we, like, we've t- like, 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 you guys, scrolling. you guys should know. Like, yeah. uh, uh, hey, you know, if Russia, what's going on in, in Ukraine? Oh, shoot, well, that that could end. That could nuclear holocaust. Signs of the times. Jesus <laughs> coming back right now. No, but uh, who's the master now? I'm just. I I am interested in global politics. I'm interested in um, American politics. That that has that. It might have an immediate effect on our lives, and but it also might have a a longer term effect on our lives. Like the government, like the the U.S. government is talking about a central a CBDC, central bank digital currency, which could okay. affect could affect it's good things. for your muscles. Yeah, could it, that could affect things? Um, you know, CBD. they can track everything you spend. Okay, you're you're consuming politics and. When it's your time for the Bible stuff, unleash that. I'm not sure what you're... I'm just saying, I'm trying to cut you off because you're starting to okay, like, yeah. commentate. So, Zach, go ahead. I'm not disagreeing. Uh, oh, yeah, Jeff's not consuming anything. Um, so, a couple a couple things. Carrie Robinson, multiple guests on this glorious podcast. Corey, Corey Robinson. Casey. Carrie. I said Carrie. Casey. Kimmy Robinson. Carnson, Tarnson. Who should be? Professional Christian. Yep. Uh, when we were talking one of the times, I think it might have been the last time, Richard Rohr is a heretic is something he said, and he might be, but it inspired me to go back and listen to a book that I like to listen to at least once a year since I bought it on Audible called... Don't touch your mic. Sorry. Called. I've never done a podcast before. So is that what the I, book's uh, called? Don't touch your mic. <laughs> <laughs> Semicolon. Be a better podcaster, bitch. Um, falling upward. A spirituality for the two halves of life. And it's been talking to Andy and and other people. Like there's there's some people that are like they they're consuming certain things that they like, but they realize it's affecting them. I.e. doom scrolling. Like. We take break from these things. I had to take a break from no agenda. Yeah. Don't it, commentate on my on me, Zach. 
Go ahead. Yeah, don't do it. But I, I identify with that. There's a lot of sources I love that I think give me decent information to sift through that I need to take a break from because you don't often notice how much it affects you until like you're in a point where it's like, I am not in a good spot right now. What is the reason for this? And you take a break from certain things and boom, veil lifted. But Richard Rohr is somebody heretic or or not. And in some ways, probably heretic. heretic. So were Jesus and Paul for their day. But regardless, um, he's somebody that sees a big picture view of the cosmos. Like if you look at John 1, 1 and we're to really imagine what that means, like a Christ before all of time. I think he gets that better than most. He might get the details wrong. There's stuff he says that might be really wild, but it's all in a direction of being, knowing who you are, knowing what your image means. And uh, that book falling upward for the two halves of life, spirituality for the two halves of life. First half of life is like what we're talking about, the rules, laws. When you're you're raising kids, they need the rules. And wisdom, once you get old enough, you get this wisdom, and this is universal no matter how old you are. You know why the rules are there, and you know when you can break them or subvert them when they're they're a problem. And so it's like you need the conservative part you were raised with. You need to include that with who you are becoming. Um, And so it's like this version of including and transcending. Uh, which sounds super mystical. It's because he is a mystic, but mm. it's a very fruitful book. And we watched everything everywhere all at once, which is about it the feels mul- like that's unrealistic. How could you? If the multiverse is true, it is realistic. Now it is a great movie. It's entertaining. There is a little bit of butt play. There are hot dog fingers. <laughs> I'm not sure. There's well, that really was everything <laughs> everywhere. Trust me, when and you watch three this Karens movie all well, at once, you will get yeah. like actually you will everything. get everything everywhere all at once at different times though. But it's all gonna be there. It's yeah, it'll but okay, Scott. I yeah. I don't recommend watch it first before your kids, but it is a very entertaining movie, even if you you don't get it. But the idea of the multiverse is this universe is big. This universe is almost infinite. And also there's an infinite amount of other universes where there's different versions of your reality. Every version of your reality is happening and has happened. It's wild. It's entertaining. It has, um, oh my gosh, Michelle Yeoh, I think is her name. She's from Yo. I love Crouching it. Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I love Asians. And... Uh, <laughs> If that's Wedding all you get out of this, fine. But, Wedding uh, crashers. Yeah. You mentioned butt play. But, but what's wild about it, there's, there's a streak. Lock of, it up. There's a streak of nihilism. Lock it up, Scott. There's a streak of nihilism in it. Like uh, everything is so big, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. So just go away. Nothing matters. That's that's a streak towards the end. Metallica was of, right. Of the movie. Nothing else matters. Oh, yeah. One Correction. thing mattered. One thing mattered to them. Jesus. What do you think that was? The Lord. Okay. It's like. <laughs> Well, yeah, you, you could take Art that Greco as... Greco knows Metallica, by the way. Oh, yeah? He knows them. You could take that as anything anyone else does matters or doesn't matter, but anything I do matters. Your truth. Okay. 
Can I tie this back or are you done? Uh, real quick. Oh, I'm not done, but... I like that I gave you two options of the same outcome. (laughs) Can I tell this back or are you done? (laughs) Are you finished or are you done? Which one is it? Well, I I thought you were going to comment before I was done. Or do you want to comment? Finish your thing and then I'll I'll tie a funny story back to it. So. (laughs) I don't know if people can hear that, but we talked about Metallica. Sounds like a junior higher plan. So so Jeff pulled up uh, Nirvana. (laughs) (laughs) Come. But this movie... Insert meme of what's-his-face going, hey, hello, fellow kids. How are you? From, oh, what's the TV show where he's the undercover cop? Oh, yeah, it's 30 Rock. Where, uh... 21 Jump Street? No. I should know this. I'm not ready. Steve Buscemi has his hat backwards, and he's showing up in high school and and going, hello, fellow kids. How are you? (laughs) All right. So nihilism. There's so many universes, so many realities. It doesn't matter. The main person, Michelle, or the person who plays the character, his name is Michelle. Her daughter is, who is ends up being the antagonist, spoiler alert, name is Joy. And she's going to lose Joy jumping into the black bagel hole. It's a literal bagel hole that she jumps through. To end everything, everything, and to get her daughter back, she discovers how to fight that is uh, through kindness and finding. This sounds super cheesy, but it's it's actually a little profound. Where you think the the movie's going towards nothing matters, so just give it all away, and the mom gets her daughter back, who is named Joy. You could insert your metaphor there, like not happiness, but finding your joy requires self sacrifice. And figuring out what other people need, and it's uh, there's some profound uh, profundities in there. That's good. I like the prequel, Never Ending Story. <laughs> I try you. So speaking of heretics, I will say my name. I'll say it. <laughs> I'm about to say. I'm gonna say my name right now. Here I go. I'm gonna say my name. Remember that scene? <laughs> Which is where Beyonce got. The idea for that song. Say my name, say my name. Yeah. Or Destiny's Child. I don't remember who. Uh, speaking of heretics, so Lindsay and I went out of town this weekend. Lindsay's a heretic. That's my wife. And we were walking back from dinner to the to the hotel and we heard live music. And so we just wandered across the street and we could hear it and couldn't see it, couldn't find exactly where it was, wound our way through these buildings and in the middle of all these buildings, this is in Laguna Beach, there was this cover band playing and no one hanging out was under 68 years old. And most of them were far beyond that. And this cover band was so good, like nailing it. They were perfect. And they were called the Heretics. And they were they were good enough that I went up and asked them afterwards. I'm like, where, where are you guys? When when can we see you again? This is this was awesome. You guys were fantastic. And they're like, we're back here every month. Really? And they were perfect. That's awesome. Yeah, ended the night with two Beatles songs, and they nailed nailed it. it. Yep. So Rad. go look up the Heretics if they're playing in your hometown. 
you happen to be somewhere on the West Coast, do it. It's worth it. All right. Let's get out of here, boys. Yeah. With energy, though. I'm not I'm not doing anything anymore. Hey, Bros Anchor Babbles FM. Beer. Good job. Scott nailed it. Anchor.fm slash Pod. If you want to leave us a message. Yeah, leave us a voicemail if it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Like, I, I heard through the grapevine that uh, Peter Tubers had to go through alternative means to leave a voicemail because anchor.fm slash bbbpod wasn't working. But try it. Otherwise, uh, brosbabblesbeer at gmail.com at brosbabblesbeer on the socials and uh, scott at brosbabblesbeer.com if ladies, Scott's single. If you're single, YY chromosome. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, if you don't do any of those things, just do this one thing. It's the easiest, quite possibly the easiest thing you could do. Just tell one friend, tell one friend about this podcast. If you like it and cause we want to grow the listener base and that's important to us because we think this podcast is cool. And if you think it's cool, then tell someone else. If you rate and review us on um, Apple podcasts, we'll read it. Give us whatever stars you feel appropriate. Same with Spotify. Spotify now has a star system. Give it five stars. You guys, my my fellow podcasters here, you have Spotify. Have you gone on our page and given us a star? I sure or have. Five? You know I sure do have, Zach. Do it. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Grace, grace, yours. For Zach, Jeff, Scott, this is Andy. This is Andy. Bros, Bibles, and beer. Grace, peace, cheers. cheers. We'll see you next week.